0: we
1: Maverick News presents
2: The Rick Walker Show. Defrag your mind.
0: Hello,
1: everyone. Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. Hello, Maverick family and new viewers from around the world. Welcome back. What is fat? That's one question that's being asked tonight on the beauty side. I don't know if it warrants being our lead story, but it's the first thing that popped into my mind. probably because it's the last thing i looked at <laughs> before we came on the air short attention span a sign of the times perhaps the federal government in canada has released is releasing has released its economic statement for this period we'll tell you about it and it ain't pretty <laughs> oh, my goodness ah the beauty queen that was uh walking down the the runway well that's that's one thing the state of our economy that's that's something else wow elon musk calling for the release of the passenger lists guest lists from Epstein Island. What else do we have for you tonight? Battlestar Galactica. That's on the thumbnail for tonight's broadcast. Why do I want to talk about Battlestar Galactica? Because It ties into everything. I was never uh, much of a watcher of the most recent version. Of course, I'm a 70s and 80s kid, right? So I remember the original series. But it ties into what we were talking about last night. Flying cars, future cities, digital technology, and fifth generation warfare. So we're gonna talk about it. I'm just I'm just gonna comment a bit on it because there is something to unpack there. Some insight. Because I know that the new version of the series actually deals with a lot of the issues that we are wrestling with right now. The series really in many ways had a plot line that drew from the experiences after 9-11 and the impact that that had on the united states in particular and geo politics globally in general so we will i want to i want to just discuss it a bit tonight and um taylor swift Falling out of favor with the media. Oh, Taylor Swift. It was bound to happen. I'll tell you why. During the course of tonight's transmission. Don't go away. Lots and lots to talk about tonight.
3: Maverick News presents... Oops.
1: Oops. I hit the wrong thing you've already seen that one let's do this one instead
2: greetings brave mavericks our quest for truth continues we go beyond fake news together we expose propaganda together we pull others out of rabbit holes we are maverick thinkers we are all unique individuals. Individuals. Defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech. Free speech. Donate. At freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Maverick News The, the world, world is washing.
1: Okay, here I am Let's uh, start with the bad news first The economy It ain't looking good Um, The federal government in Canada has released its fall economic statement and they are looking, what are we looking at here? We're looking at billions and billions of dollars being thrown around to address a bunch of housing issues, cultural issues, economic issues. Seems the government's solution to everything is to simply print more money and spend, 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 and then tax, tax, tax. So Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister, Chrystia Freeland, in her fall economic statement, includes billions of dollars in new spending and targeted policy measures, which are aimed at increasing Canada, increasing the housing supply over the coming years. And now the deficit for Canada is projected to be $40 billion, 40 billion billion in uh, fiscal 2023-2024. Now, to our American friends, that might not seem like that much, but you have to understand that Canada is one-tenth the size in terms of population compared to the United States of America. We just don't have the coin. We have resources but they're not being fully utilized and tapped. And uh, yeah, we're, uh, I guess, at least on paper or in theory, a rich nation, but not that rich. All this money printing has resulted in, well, I would say record-setting inflation. And as a result, the government is trying to Cool off the economy. The Bank of Canada is trying to cool off the economy by increasing interest rates. That is making it increasingly difficult for people to live, especially in an environment, in a country, in a society where so many people have bought into the idea that in order to live, they need debt, credit card debt, mortgages car loans, loans to buy washers and dryers, whatever it might be, and just like our American friends, Canadians do tend to carry a lot of debt. Higher interest rates means it's even more difficult now to, um, to survive for many, many people. So this was, uh, what is it, about 130 pages or so this economic statement today. And they're really targeting housing. Um, What they want to do is build a lot more rental housing, government housing, geared to income housing. The federal government alone is coughing up about $15 billion um, just in like one fiscal year to help facilitate this. Of course, when the government throws money like that around, I really have to wonder ultimately whose pocket it ends up in. When the government gets involved, they always get to pick the winners and the losers. When they control the purse strings and by extension, entire industries and people. When they have control of the funds, the money and the way it flows, they control everything in society. An additional one billion dollars is also being uh, set aside for new affordability-focused housing over three years, starting in 2025-2026. Let this be a, a warning to our American friends. This, uh, what's happening up in here in Canada, in terms of excessive spending, rising interest rates, and out-of-control inflation. It's already gripped you guys too, but it may well come home to roost in an even bigger way for you because you have such massive debt and such pressure on the American dollar. And as the U.S. dollar, falls its demand for it falls internationally, and we get deeper and deeper into this new multipolar geopolitical reality, where the United States is not just the sole superpower out there, as was the case for a short time after the Cold War. Well, you better get ready because it's going to come home to you guys too in terms of uh, higher grocery prices, higher prices for all kinds of consumer goods and services. Let's pick things up here with uh, Canada's Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Christian Freeland, as she continues with her address, outlining the fall economic statement from Parliament.
4: Elected on a promise to deliver for the middle class. And our economic plan is focused on building an economy that works for everyone with good jobs that people
5: can count on major investments in public transit in ev battery factories and in new energy projects are not just red ink in our fiscal statement They are truly investments decade-long investments in the economic growth which creates middle-class jobs, which raises incomes and makes middle-class communities more prosperous.
4: Continental Railway a century ago, these are foundational investments, which only governments can make. We believe in Canada, and we believe in the incredible possibility of Canada's future. And that is why we are making the investments that Canada needs to make that bright future a reality. Affordable early learning and childcare is likewise an investment in our social infrastructure and it is also transformative economic policy. It gives children the best possible start in life and saves middle-class families thousands of dollars a year while also supporting record women's employment and thus helping to address the labor shortages which contributed to inflation. When I announced our plan to build a Canada-wide system of affordable early learning and childcare, some people were skeptical and justifiably so. After all, it was a promise that had been made and broken for five decades. But today, just two and a half years after we launched our plan, it is working. care fees are down by at least 50% across Canada. In six provinces and territories, we've already brought child care costs down to just $10 a day. And we are on track to deliver outstanding, nurturing care for $10 a day everywhere in Canada by
0: 2026.
5: Uh And it is women in Quebec who led us the way, led the way in terms of affordable childcare. Therefore, our plan supports the creation of 30,000 new spots to make child care services more accessible across the province.
4: Enhancements to Canada's social safety net ranging from the Canada child benefit.
1: Okay, let's pull out of that. Let me see if she uh, comes up with anything more about the housing. Yeah, she's going to be coming up here. Here we go. She's going to get into the housing and here. Keep I
4: think. Their homes when renewing at a time. She's of talking about the
1: carbon tax, not referring to it specifically here. To
4: taking further action if necessary.
1: But uh, our
4: second objective yeah. is equally urgent. For generations, Canada has been a country where, if you worked hard, if you went to school, found a good job, and squirreled some money away, there would be a home that you could afford. For generations, that promise was kept. But today, for a generation that ranges from new high school graduates to couples in their 30s, making six-figure salaries, that is a promise which is under threat. Keeping that promise demands a great national effort, and that is an effort that our government is stepping up to lead. Building on the significant action we have already taken, including this fall alone, I am today announcing new measures through our economic plan to build thousands upon thousands upon thousands of new homes across the country and to build Unlocking billions of dollars in new financing. Money that will go towards supporting the construction of new homes for Canadians. Hmm. We are supporting non-profit, co-op, and public housing providers. We, We will be helping to cut the red tape that prevents construction workers from moving across the country to build homes, and we will be bringing more of the skilled trades workers that our construction sector needs to Canada. (laughs) We'll be cracking down on short-term rentals listed on sites like Airbnb and Verbo which are keeping far too many homes off the market in communities and cities right across the country. That's gonna make a real difference to communities. And Mr. Speaker, that is just what we are doing today. We are making it easier for more than 200,000 and counting to buy their first home with the new tax-free First Home Savings Account. The federal government owns more land than anyone else in Canada, and we're going to build more homes on it. We're lifting the GST on new rental construction to make it more affordable for builders to build so that they can build more homes faster. We're repairing and building hundreds of thousands of new homes, and we are financing the construction of tens of thousands more. We have banned foreign investment in Canadian housing, and we're ensuring that property flippers pay their fair share. We're making it more affordable for families to construct secondary suites, and we have signed agreements with cities across the country to slash the red tape, which is preventing homes from being built, in the first place. And in exchange, we're providing them with new funding to build more than 100,000 new homes faster. Because our country needs more homes, and we need more of them fast.
5: We must build homes in our biggest cities and our smallest towns. We must build detached family homes and secondary suites. We must build co-op housing and rental apartments. And it will take all of us, the federal government and the provinces, cities and towns, the private sector and not-for-profits, right across this great country. That's what our government is doing, and we are approaching this task with the purpose, drive and intensity it deserves. We will keep working, day after day, week after week, month after month and year after year to build the homes that Canadians need and expect and deserve. At the heart of the promise of Canada is the conviction that every day should represent a new opportunity for all Canadians, no matter who you are, no matter what you look like or who you love or where you were born. Also, if you work hard, you can share in the remarkable possibilities of our wonderful country. This includes a good career that pays you well and a home you can afford.
1: Blah, 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 okay.
5: On the
4: promise of the greatest country in the
0: world.
1: Wait a minute, that sounds not like colonial settler exceptionalism to me.
4: and a racist government's work for these next two years and beyond canada is not and never has been broken
1: (laughs) no but you're working hard at doing it
4: we are the imperfect and remarkable creation of generations of canadians who did their part to build a better country. In good times and in tough times, calloused hand by calloused hand, generations of Canadians who fought fear and cynicism with hope and hard work. Generations of Canadians who fought day after day to keep Canada moving forward, and generations of Canadians who believed, just as I do today, that in our magnificent country, better is always possible.
1: (laughs)
6: Just um, um, uh, wait. Come up Questions and comments, Oh,
1: here's Pierre Piolyev. <laughs> okay, Pierre.
7: With this 20 billion dollars of costly new spending, this update can be summed up very simply: prices up rent up, debt up, taxes up, times up. Common sense conservatives will vote non confidence on this disgusting
0: scheme.
6: After eight years of this prime minister, he is not worth the cost. And today he's adding another $20 billion to inflation, which will put pressure on interest rates. In addition, today he proposes to increase taxes on the backs of middle-class people.
0: Mm -hmm. So
6: that is why the Conservatives, guided by common sense, will vote against and non confidence in this government.
1: Yep. Good. You know, a
7: year ago, this Finance Minister told the House she'd have the budget balanced by the year 2028. In that time she has announced hundred billion dollars of additional debt above and beyond having doubled that debt in the first place this debt is already being paid by canadians with the worst inflation in 40 years with interest rates that risk a mortgage meltdown on the 900 billion dollars of mortgages that will renew over the next three years that's two-thirds of mortgages with the IMF saying that of all 40 OECD countries, Canada is the most at risk of a mortgage crisis. And now, per solution, another $20 billion of inflationary spending. This after the Governor of the Bank of Canada has said that deficits are adding two full percentage points to mortgage rates on the backs of Canadians. And finally, Today they go ahead with a plan to quadruple the carbon tax, quadruple the carbon tax, quadruple.
8: Point of order, uh, if for the
9: member from Elmo Transconov can just give me a minute, if I could just consult with the, with the table for an instant.
1: Yeah, I have no idea what they're saying. <laughs>
10: The Honourable Member
8: from Elmont Transcona,
9: on a point of order.
10: Oh, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I, I may have been under a mistaken impression. I thought we were in the question and comment period, but perhaps we're into speeches. I just wonder if you could provide some guidance to the leader of the Conservative Party. Thank you.
11: I thank the Honourable.
9: I do thank the Honourable Member from Elmer Transcona. We are in a period of question and comments. There are 10 minutes for questions and comments. I am hoping that the uh, Honourable Leader of the Opposition will come to his question so that we'll have an equal amount of time for the Minister of Finance to respond, and as well as I know that there are other uh, finance critics from each of the uh, parties who would also like to ask questions and comments. The Honourable uh, Leader of the Opposition, I hope, can come uh, soon to his question.
7: We can always count on the NDP to betray their constituents and come to the rescue of the tax And so my question, not just on behalf of the common-sense conservatives, but on behalf of the countless people who are losing their homes, who are lined up at food banks, who are living through the worst economy since the Great Depression, is exactly how much will it cost the average family when this government goes ahead with its plan to quadruple the carbon tax. How much? And the Honourable Deputy Prime Minister and Minister Finance.
4: Oh, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. So, Mr. Speaker, let's start by setting the record straight. Yeah. Canada has the lowest debt and the lowest deficit in the G7, and we've had the fastest rate of fiscal consolidation. And you don't need to ask me, Mr. Speaker, about our fiscally responsible track record. Talk to the ratings agencies, because they have reaffirmed our AAA rating. But Mr. Speaker, the question that we all need to be asking the Conservatives is, why are they so passionately opposed to the investments that Canadians need? Why are they opposed to early learning and childcare, which is working, which is making life more affordable for Canadians and is expanding our labor force at a time when we desperately need it? Why are they so opposed to building more homes faster for Canadians? Why have they said it is, quote unquote, disgusting? to be investing in building more rental homes. Is it disgusting for us to be cracking down on Airbnb? Yes. And why are they so opposed to our essential investments in the industrial transformation that Canada needs?
6: The Honourable Member for Terbun. Among the measures called for by the bloc Ubiqua that the Bloc wanted to see in this fall economic statement, there was one element that it was urgency. We called for monies for seniors who are suffering because of the rise in the cost of living.
1: Okay, so we'll just pull out of that for a while. Um, So, I think Pierre Polyev nailed it. That's just my take on it. I think what the government is doing is uh, just going to make things worse in some respects. You may end up with more housing, but their approach will create other economic problems. It will just create more inflation, more rising prices, because they are simply throwing money at the problem. Instead of creating additional, like real Um, Value and real capital wealth, and what I I mean by capital wealth is um, actual new homes built through the market, generated through the market, not generated through taxpayer spending, just simply by spending government money. That results in inflation. Because they're going into debt. It is not market-driven, per se. And uh, yeah, I think it is disgusting to go after. Crack down, as she said, on the operators of Airbnbs. I understand that in the mines, and their small little pea-brained mines, Airbnbs are evil because it's people investing in real estate and turning properties into rental. Properties, income-generating property or capital, physical capital. Those dirty, stinking, filthy capitalists investing, investing. How dare they invest in communities? How dare they invest in real estate? How dare they invest in order to make a return on an investment to profit? from real estate, especially at a time when there's a housing shortage, will all say that people should be allowed to buy what they want to buy. The market should be allowed to do what it does. If people want to rent properties from someone who purchases properties, they should be allowed to engage in that transaction. The government should not be there blocking it because that transaction will ultimately benefit all of society. This person purchases property that stimulates market demand for the construction and maintenance of new properties, because obviously there's demand for it. Sends a market signal out. Construction companies will build more in order to accommodate people who are still out there looking for more properties. When people come in and rent that property, it generates more economic linkages. It's economic stimulus through the free market. You don't have to spend any tax dollars to do that. And as the person renting it out makes a profit that goes into their bank account, their standard of living increases that creates affluence increases their discretionary spending. They may simply put that money in the bank where it can sit and the banks can put that to use, lending it out to people. Or they may spend it at the hot dog stand on the corner at the, uh, variety store down the street. They might buy a washer, a dryer, a new car, who knows? And that creates more economic linkages and, uh, And it goes on and on. And as that happens, that creates what they call prosperity. And why shouldn't somebody be allowed to do that if they want to do it? Cracking down on it, it, it's like they're criminalizing free enterprise, the free market. That's exactly what they're doing. And why shouldn't someone be allowed to flip a property, purchase a property, fix it up, add value, And then turn around and sell it for a higher price, getting a return on their investment and their sweat equity, what they've put in, their blood, sweat, and tears, and compensation for the financial risk that they've taken. Why the heck not? And banning foreign investment? I understand that people see that as a problem because... Foreign investors will come in, they'll buy up apartment buildings or housing, not live in it, just turn around and rent it out. But I don't even really have much of a problem with that, honestly. Because again, it stimulates demand for more real estate. And if they would get, now the one thing they do need to do, which they are trying to do is get rid of the red tape, which is obstructing more construction. But if you let the free market function, you will get equilibrium. Things will stabilize. It will work itself out because everybody knows what's in their best interest. So they make decisions and vote with their dollars and go where they need to go. Unless, of course, you don't have any dollars. But why wouldn't people have any dollars? Because the government has printed so much money. Money isn't worth as much anymore. And because unemployment is at such a, Well, it's much higher than they're letting on. And because you have so many new Canadians arriving or immigrants who are not employed. So they can't afford the housing. So they're just going to give it to them or give it to them at a substantially reduced rate below market value, which is inflated. All these problems, keep in mind, folks, were created by government. Now everyone is looking to the government for the solution. And they're not really giving you one, they're just giving you more of the same, more of the same failed policies. And that's what that economic statement reveals. These are not really solutions. These are socialist band-aids that will just cover up an infected wound They always take the direct, straight line, direct approach. We need housing just, oh well the government, well, well, we'll we'll build it. We're the government, we'll take care of it. Doesn't work that way. And then they're, you know, they're really just um, creating other problems. Getting rid of Airbnbs, cracking down on them, as she put put that. Why? It defies logic. It, uh, it, it 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 stifles economic activity. Indeed, when people engage in business transactions through Airbnbs, you know what else they generate tax dollars, which go back to the federal government and the provincial government and the municipal government, and then we all benefit from that because that money can be used. For infrastructure and other social programs or whatever it is the government feels they really need to spend the money on. But oh no, let's just take an axe to the economic activity and and just put everything back in the hands of government again. Yeah, okay. So the, you you know, you're not really <laughs> so they they're thinking that they are creating more supply or by, by reducing demand by cracking down on Airbnbs. You're not creating more supply. You're just stifling economic activity. That makes us all poorer and it makes it more difficult for the country over the long run and even the short run to pay for stuff. You're shutting down an industry which is connected to tourism. No, man, just let people rent the things, get the government out of the way, and let people build, build, build. Let the contractors build homes. And they'll build them, if you let them, according to market conditions, and people will come in and they will buy them according to market prices. And they will find jobs and the the market will equalize. No, no, they can't do it that way. They've got to control everything. And they'll just make everything worse. It's, It's just a, that's how they control people. talk about slavery I think it's terrible what they're doing absolutely terrible what other notes did I write down here I don't know I scribble so much this is a problem that I used to have all the time when I was covering court I, I, I write so quickly and I, I write like a doctor and at the time that I write it down there's a notes when I write this stuff down it's, uh, I know what I've written. It's almost like a form of shorthand. But then when I go back even 10 minutes later and I look at it, I'm like, I can't make out my own handwriting. In court, I would write so quickly, you know, taking notes as people were speaking. And then I'd have to decipher it later to make sure that I got all the quotes right in my pieces. It's just what a mess. I really need to learn how to, 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 to write quickly in a, in a more, in neater So what I need to do anyway, let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. That's, what's going on with the economic statement. We'll see where it ends up with the vote, but don't count on, uh, when last I checked, the speech was still going on. So I'll dip in and check while we're on this little break, but don't expect that non-confidence vote to go anywhere. Um, this will pass in the house and, uh, Government will continue uh, the same way it has for the last, uh, well, what, eight years under Trudeau? At least for now. I think we're stuck with him, folks, at least until probably the middle of next year. Well, maybe not him. He could well resign early in the new year. There's so much pressure on him. We'll see how he does in the polls. And man, like he does have to go. But on the flip side... God knows what we're gonna get. <sighs> Could you imagine Christian Freeland as the Prime Minister of Canada? Well, the bobblehead market would do well with her in in the PM's position, wouldn't it? Lots
2: of bobbleheads. Hello, world. Are you awake? Uniting humankind by liberating millions of minds at a time. Maverick News. The world is watching.
0: Okay.
1: On the parallel economy side, I don't know, are you guys familiar with what Binance is? Binance, it's a cryptocurrency exchange. For a while, they were operating here in Ontario, and Canada. And uh, I had a Binance account. I never had any trouble with them. Uh, in fact, they seem to be pretty good to deal with there. Um, When I set up the account, I didn't even realize that they're based in China, but they are. Well, things are not so rosy for Binance. They're facing a substantial fine because of their activities on the business side. Um, So they are the world's largest crypto exchange. And they have been ordered to pay $4.3 billion. And this after the CEO of Binance has pled guilty to federal charges in the United States. They've admitted to violating U.S. laws to prevent money laundering and sanctions violations. And they agreed to pay the government the $4.3 billion in fines and fees. CEO Chang Zheng Zhao has also pled, pleaded guilty to one federal charge they've been under investigation this company by a variety of regulators law enforcement agencies uh, which include the commodities future trading commission and I know in uh, here where I live it was the ontario securities and exchange commission and they shut them down they said you got to you have to stop doing business in ontario because they were trading in cryptos that I guess were not entirely approved in Canada um, or in Ontario anyway. And they were using, I don't know, methods that did not meet the Ontario standard. So at the time, you know, it was concerned to me simply because I'd seen other cryptocurrencies and cryptocurrency-based companies online shut down over the past about four or five years, uh, not just in Canada, but in the U.S. as well. And things seemed to be going okay with these companies until the government came in uh, to impose their crackdown under regulations. That uh, were restricting activity by these crypto companies. Now, maybe they were acting in the best interests of consumers, the public to protect investors. Hard to say. I was highly suspect thinking that it might be the government moving in to just exert another form of overreach, in this case, economic overreach, regulatory overreach targeting this company, but it seems to be pretty universal, this stuff directed toward Binance. To me, they seem to have the best system as a a cryptocurrency exchange. That's why I used them. And when they were forced to shut down, I have to say they were quite good to deal with. They made sure that they gave you time to withdraw your money. Everyone got their money out, so they were quite Straight up about it, there was nothing about it at all that seemed like it was any kind of a scam to me. And in fact, I still have that cryptocurrency sitting in a hard wallet, safe and secure. Not that there's that much there. I think my total investment was, uh, well, I might have a couple of hundred dollars in it. I was not a big crypto investor, but you know, they, uh, it's interesting to see this happening with Binance because, uh, you know, so much, I I, I never really thought too much about it, but crypto represents, for people within like the freedom movement, a path to economic freedom or so they think. And I've really kind of dialed into that more, even just within the last month. I know that for even some countries that have adopted Bitcoin as an alternative to the U.S. dollar, that for them represents a path to freedom. Certainly organized crime has been using Bitcoin and crypto as a money laundering tool. And that for them is a path to freedom. And even when we had Bitcoin Ben on, he sort of did refer to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies saying, you know, if you do it right, they don't even know you've got it. (laughs) But uh, newsflash, if you have Bitcoin and you make money with it, even if it just increases in value, if you just buy, hold, and then realize a capital gain, that's taxable. So if you don't claim it on your income tax, that's actually technically illegal. And you could... Get into trouble for that. And here's another little juicy tidbit for you. Did you know that the CEO of Binance is actually a Canadian national? Yes, sir. That's right. And he did plead guilty in federal court today to violating anti-money laundering laws. And he has agreed to step down from Binance's leadership. He faces a sentence of approximately one to 10 years in prison with sentencing set for next year. He says that stepping down as CEO is a difficult decision. He says in his words, admittedly, it was not easy to let go emotionally, but I know it is the right thing to do. I made mistakes and I must take responsibility. This is best for our community, for Binance and for myself, he posted online. And he said, um... That Richard Tang, the global head of regional markets, will be the new CEO. I mean, this is big time money, man. Huge. Between January of 2018 and May 2022, prosecutors say that Binance processed 1.1 million transactions worth 900 million dollars between Americans and individuals believed to be in Iran. Zhao. And company executives, according to the court documents, were allegedly aware that exchanging American money would require the platform to follow U.S. sanctions laws, but also saw users in the U.S. as vital to growth. So they set up Binance U.S., a separate exchange for use by American cryptocurrency traders. But investigators say Americans remained on the original, unregulated Binance platform too. And the purpose of the conspiracy, as they put it, was to put or to allow Binance to continue to operate as a virtual currency exchange and gain market share and profit as quickly as possible. The defendants alleged or said or allegedly encouraged high value clients to conceal and obfuscate their uh, U.S. connections. So they were sort of skirting the law by allowing people to operate on both the domestic US part of the Binance platform while also having access to the international platform where US regulations were not entirely, well, they really didn't have any reach or enforcement mechanism. And so again, according to To the government, Binance was allowing illicit actors to transact freely and engage in financial transactions using cryptocurrencies to support all kinds of activities, which included things like child sexual abuse, drug trading, illegal drug trading, terrorism, And not just on a small scale, they were talking about and have identified over 100,000 transactions, all of which were laid out in court. And these are transactions, many of them were directly connected to terrorist groups, including Hamas, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS. And he entered a plea of guilty. He's not disputing it. They were allowing this stuff to go on. And, you know, for people who aspire to, let's just say, put a lot of pressure on government. Cryptocurrencies are very attractive to them because they represent a financial vehicle or tool that they can use to move money around and not be detected because it's all done on the blockchain. And a lot of it can be done entirely anonymously. However, I'll put this out there. I'll say that people engaging in that kind of activity, they can still be caught because anything that goes on online in any kind of digital format, I don't care what it is there are kind of always back doors and different things that can be done for governments or spies or even organized crime to hack in and gain access. Maybe not through the blockchain itself. That may be impenetrable, bad word. It may be secure. (laughs) So you can't get into it. When I get my mouth back in gear, I'll uh, I'll maybe be able to say big words like that later. Um, but they're uh, quite often they can get into people's computers right by hacking in, get into someone's computer and then see what they're doing online, even with like keystroke logging and other kinds of uh, hacking methods like that. So. Now, all that being said, I would say, be aware of scams out there too, because there are many cryptocurrency scams out there. Um, There was one years ago called USI Tech, which was supposed to be uh, based on not just the blockchain, but also on Forex technology. So it could predict trades. And they were promising people, unrealistic returns on investments and it was essentially a pyramid scheme which ultimately the government did shut down now i have to say that everything was going along okay because cryptos continued to climb in value over time but then usi tech went bust because the government moved in and said no you can't do business so what they did is they closed up shop. And then all, all the people who are running it basically just vanished in the night and very few people got their money out. And that was a big one, but that goes back probably seven, eight, 10 years ago. It's just off the top of my head. Don't quote me on the dating. Anyway, that's just another big story on the financial front. What else do I have? There was something else related to that. <clears throat> um oh yeah, okay. There is this story here. Talking about money laundering, foreign governments, terrorism even our political adversaries. This ties into it. CSIS, Canadian Security and Intelligence Service, our CIA, essentially. They are warning people about being approached by Hostile state actors, as they put it. Let me show you the tweet. Here we go. According to CSIS, Canadian professionals are being targeted. See? So they've posted this online on Twitter and it says here, attention, Canadian professionals, scientists, and academics. CSIS is aware of hostile state actors currently targeting Canadian professionals, scientists, and academics in an effort to obtain Canadian knowledge and expertise. So not a lot of other information in there. In fact, no other information, but you're getting the idea. They're offering people money and jobs. People who are professionals and maybe possess knowledge that is proprietary. They hire them on and then get them to tell all the juicy tidbits that they know about whatever company or whatever government agency they might have been working for prior. It says here, CSIS posts this. It says these types of talent recruitment initiatives can result in the misuse of government of Canada resources, as well as a loss of proprietary and sensitive information to the benefit of hostile state actors. If you have been offered well-paying research placements or collaboration opportunities from suspicious international sources, contact your respective security office, chief security officer, or CSIS if needed. Isn't that interesting? So that's what CSIS is posting. We also know that the head of Canada's military about a week ago came out and said that we are really officially at war with China and Russia. It's just not a traditional kind of war. It's fifth generation warfare. This is also what I've been trying to tell everybody here on the show. All these things going on, this... Constant barrage of negativity online, this constant blame game, the fear porn. Much of it, if not, well, I think the majority of it is designed to undermine trust and confidence in our institutions, in our government to fan the flames of unrest, to be as disruptive as possible. And this is just one more thing. CSIS identifying a real problem with foreign governments and trying to steal secrets by coughing up money for people with knowledge who have been left maybe vulnerable because of a job loss or job change or maybe just people who are susceptible to maybe even a little bit of greed. Psst, want a job? All you have to do is just bring those documents before you, you know, before you quit. Just stuff them in a briefcase, bring them out, then we'll hire you. <laughs> we'll give you a really good job but it's also what we're seeing online in terms of information and the way people's minds are being manipulated. That's all part of it too. Strange times, difficult times. People don't even realize that they're being subjected to this stuff. You know, it's uh. The one thing I've, I've really learned, especially over, I'd say the last year, is if you think about every bad thing that has ever happened in Canada or the United States, and especially the United States, everything, it doesn't matter what it is, every single bad thing. It's always our own fault. Everything. Everything. There's a terrorist attack. It's our it's our own fault. Doesn't matter if it's nine eleven, the Boston Marathon, whatever. It is, it's our own fault. It's never the terrorist. It might be at first in the the first round of the media cycle, but these days, pretty quickly, it it it's turned around, and suddenly the terrorist is the victim, and it's our fault and the fault of government. And the go to, oh, yeah, the big go to, the 100% of the time go to, <laughs> it's the CIA. It's always the CIA. Every single time. You can just put money on that because it's always the CIA. It's never, it's never anybody else. It seems like that's the way that the narrative goes now. If only life really was that simple. If only. Just up, CIA again. Look at that! That toad got run over on the CIA. Squirrel, CIA. Whatever. Can dig into it more later on, but. This is this is um something we touched on last night. <coughs> Excuse me. Lieutenant Steve Rogers. This is kind of weird. Oh, it's not weird. Maybe it's not weird in today's environment. He in a in a post last night, in his online program, again focused on Canada, says uh Canada now does pose a national security threat to the United States. He says he has been talking to key politicians down there. This is the same Lieutenant Steve Rogers who started the SOS letter-writing campaign, which I know thousands of people did respond to, many in Canada, essentially calling on the U.S. government to intervene and save Canada, asking essentially for an invasion. Without realizing that they were kind of greenlighting an invasion by giving the U.S. government justification through a citizen-led response to what some would characterize as a a national or even international emergency that is putting the national security of the United States at risk. That's what that letter-writing campaign did. It's like, will you please come and invade us? But anyway... Maybe it's justified after seeing this thing with CSIS and uh, <laughs> knowing what I know, about what's going on with the info war. Well,, well I'm going to run the part of the clip from Lieutenant Steve Rogers where he talks about Canada being. Whoever would have thought we would be hearing things like this, a national security threat to the United States of America.
0: Now,
11: let's get right to uh, one of two subjects that I'm going to speak to you about. Pretty much uh, at length, uh, the progress we've made with regard to the Canada actually becoming a threat, a national security threat to the United States, and then a bit of a briefing on the position that we in America are taking with regard to Israel. Now, let's get to Canada. You know, folks, for the past two years, those of you who have followed us and have been with us, we have worked very hard, we meaning you, you, the American people, the people working here at Campaign for America, we've been working very, very hard to get information out to the United States Congress, our Senate and our uh, congressional representatives, that Canada is becoming a clear and present danger to the national security of the United States as a result of the policies that the Trudeau government is advancing. And uh, I've got to tell you folks, the list is so long, but I could tell you the policies that that government is advancing is certainly hindering the ability of the Canadian people to walk freely, to speak freely, even worshiping God freely. Now it would take uh, maybe another month for me to uh, get all this information together and share with you, but we've got a lot of it out there and we made it very clear that uh, it is our duty as Americans to protect our country. And if we see or hear that there are anything going on uh, in any nation on the world that is advancing communism, that we as a nation should invoke the Trudeau-Reagan doctrine, which is you go after communists anywhere on the face of the earth and and make sure that uh, they're they're wiped off the face of the earth. Uh, So we have a situation in Canada uh, that the Canadian people will take care of. We can't get involved and interfere with the Uh, inner workings of the Canadian government, but the Canadian people, uh, they certainly can. And I understand as of tonight that uh, uh, the people across that country, the Conservatives, are are really rallying together uh, to make sure that they get a change, uh, not only in the office of Prime Minister, but in the offices that are on Parliament Hill, just like what we've done in Congress and what we're going to do with the presidency next year. Now, let's get to this national security threat that we've been talking about. I remember when I had mentioned this uh, the the first days, the beginning weeks of mentioning that Canada was becoming a national security threat to the United States. We were laughed at. We were ridiculed. The hate mail. I mean, I can't begin to tell you uh, the uh, messages of hate that we receive primarily from and not all, but from the minority numbers of Canadian citizens who did what? who were who brought into uh, the Canadian government's messages that all is well. Now, it just so happens that uh, probably a thousand uh, to one. All right. A thousand letters uh, that were uh, commending the work that all of us were doing, which is you and me and the American people here uh, uh, and and just praying for us and hoping that we were going to succeed. Well, tonight, I'm happy to report to you that because of the work of the Canadian people uh, in Canada and the American people who support Canada, that the United States Congress is now aware of a lot of the things, in fact, most of the things that we have been broadcasting. And of course, they've done a lot of their own work, uh, which leads me to this. Uh, folks, you, I'm going to get right to the, the facts. I'm going to mention names because you need to know the representatives here have been working on this. Uh, U.S. Representative Mike Kelly, Republican from Pennsylvania, and Ryan Zinke, Republican from Montana, uh, chairman of the Northern Border Security Caucus here in the United States, part of the United States Congress. They actually introduced a resolution calling on the Biden administration to address the alarming number, the alarming number, folks, that's their verbiage, the alarming number of suspects on the terror watch list who are crossing into the United States of America from the Canadian border. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? That's not just political rhetoric, because what I have in my hands are facts. I have numbers, I have statistics and I have figures. All put together by these congressional representatives who decided not only not only to uh, be obsessed and concerned with uh, some of the issues, what we shouldn't be involved in the woke agenda and and the pronouns and things like this. But these representatives were very, very involved in looking at the big picture here in the United States. Now they know as well as we know, because we've been talking about it, that we've got our eyes. We, the United States of America and the Biden administration has their eyes. Oh, by the way, as well as the press on the Southern border, right? What little we're doing down there and we're absolutely doing nothing, but at least we're doing little. Well, we've warned our country, our leaders get your eyes on the Northern border. Don't get your eyes off of the Canadian-American border because we believe, we believe that they've got to be, they meaning terrorists, the bad guys, if you will. We believe that they're coming in from the northern border where we have no assets, little or no assets watching that border. Again, laughed at, ridiculed, "Ah, you're over-exaggerating, nothing's going on in Canada and on and on and on. Well, this congressional uh, uh, group of men and women and others uh, apparently, they learned that 85 percent, 85 percent of all suspected terrorists that are encountered on our borders in the United States of America uh, crossed into the United States, not from the southern border, but from the northern border. How can that be? How can that be? You know how it could be? Because, as we said all along, we've kept our eyes off of Canada. We kept our eyes off of the northern border of the United States of America. And where did that 85% come from? Well, it came from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency. That's where it came from. The very men and women who are working these borders, they're the ones who would know, not the politicians, it would be the men and women, the heroes on the borders. Now, what does this 85% include? Now, hold on to this, folks. It includes over 3,000, 3,000 people from Egypt, over 600 from Iran, Iran, of all places, Iran, the arch enemy of the United States of America, the arch enemy of Israel, the country responsible for thousands and thousands of deaths of of people across this planet, responsible for killing Americans during the Iraq war by building the IEDs, killing American soldiers, sailors, airmen and Marines and vowing to destroy the entire nation of Israel. And by the way, to destroy the United States of America. You know what we're hearing in the streets of Iran, death to America, death to Israel, and on and on and on and on. And yet, and yet, over 600 of them came to this country across our northern border, over 500 from Syria. And then we find out, according to the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Plan, as as this was reported, uh, we find out that hundreds of these people, hundreds of them, are from nations that are directly or indirectly involved with the war between Israel and Hamas. Mr. Trudeau, how could you let this happen? Canadian Parliament members, and I know some of your uh, uh, aides, if you will, I'm going to be nice tonight, aides and staff members watch this broadcast. How could you let this happen? How could all these people, enemies of freedom and liberty, Enemies of the United States of America, who you say is a great ally of yours, or apparently we're not. Apparently we're not. I mean, what are you doing across the border? 3,000 from Egypt, 600 from Iran, over 500 from Syria, and hundreds that are involved in some way, shape, or form with the Israeli Hamas war. How does this happen? We're not taking this, at least I'm not taking it out of the sky. This has been reported. and By the way, it's been reported publicly. But no one took the time to look. We did. And so did the congressional representatives who introduced this resolution. By the way, it's not only them. House Republican Conference Chair Elsie Stefanik from New York, Representatives Jack Bergman from Michigan, Carol Miller from West Virginia, Matt Rosenthal from Montana, and John Molinar from Michigan. They've all co-sponsored the resolution. Now, folks, listen to this one. There is a common denominator regarding all of these congressional representatives, common denominator. And think about what I'm about to share with you. The common denominator is they're all Republicans. I have not yet to see, I have not seen yet. And maybe I will, I hope I do, because this has got to be bipartisan, which we're going to be working uh, with these congressional representatives to get a bipartisan bill together to send a clear message to Trudeau and the Canadian government that this is unacceptable. But they're all Republicans. You know what that tells me? Like the liberals in Canada, we have the Democrats here in the United States. They've got their own agenda. If they really cared about freedom and liberty, if they really cared about the national security of their countries. This would have been taken care of a long time ago. I go back to you, Mr. Trudeau, you. You're the guy running around telling the world how bad America is how the blood is being spilled in the streets because of a, a Second Amendment out of control. You, Mr. Trudeau, you're the guy. You're the guy running around telling us how safe Canada is. Hey, open up your newspapers. We You may get not get our news because you censor it, but we get yours. And one day we'll do a broadcast about all the stabbings that are going on in Canada. You want to ban the knife now? Yeah, my blood pressure goes up when I hear rhetoric coming out of the mouth of leaders like Trudeau and Joe Biden. Telling us everything is hunky-dory. Don't worry about it, folks. Government will take care of things. Well, I've said often, the guy behind me there, Ronald Reagan, he warned us. He says, government will never solve the problems. Government is the problem.
1: Yeah. Can't disagree with much what he said now. I don't know. He's uh, he's taking a pretty heavy hand there with uh, the communists. Wiped them off the face of the earth. Yeah. But yeah. Everything else basically got kind of true. I've been trying to warn everybody that there's a real threat and that they're engaging in Warfare, it's just not with bombs and guns and fighter jets. They're doing it in different kinds, different ways. And we've seen the threat emerging in Canada on the terrorist front because of the mass immigration. And I would put it to you that there is corruption, politicians being paid off at the risk of,
0: <laughs>
1: i you know, it's just so obvious and that's why we're seeing Khalistani separatists from India now living here with dual citizenship protected by Canadian law so that the Indian government, which views them as terrorists, they can't be touched. So essentially, Trudeau is protecting them from their government. That's just one example. And yes, it seems like it would have been inevitable anyway, right? If you bring in people from other countries in in a massive way, you're going to be bringing in a lot of their problems with them. And now that's just, these problems are just coming home to roost. I can't disagree with much of what he said at all. The only thing is, you know, when I called out Lieutenant Steve Rogers before because of that letter-writing campaign. That concerned me simply because I still believe in Canadian sovereignty. I believe the Canadian people should retain the right to self-determination as a nation-state, as a country, as a society, as a community. It's up to us. The last thing we need is to give any country let alone a superpower justification to invade us <laughs> which made me laugh more than anything i understood what i understand what he was trying to do it's just at the time it uh, it seemed like it was an ill-conceived idea simply because the very nature of the exercise undermines canadian sovereignty and while everybody on especially in the freedom community in Canada was shouting and screaming and worrying about the United Nations coming in here and doing an end run around our sovereignty. They're also writing letters to the United States asking for us to essentially, we're giving them a green light on the U S side to come and invade us saying, please help us SOS, save us from Trudeau. (laughs) It's just, it just, Didn't make sense to me at all at the time. I do share the concerns, though, about all of the uh, security risks that are very, very clear right now. And you're seeing it in the streets. You're seeing this rise in polarization and friction and arguing and fighting in the streets at these demonstrations. You have a demonstration and a counter demonstration, a protest and a counter protest. The Israel-Palestine thing, that's divided people more than anything. Amazing. What has happened with that? Anyway, that's Lieutenant Steve Rogers. We're going to take a brief break, and um, when we come back, I'm going to run another clip from him, which is on deals with the Israel-Palestine-Hamas question. And uh, some people think that it's pretty extreme. So, don't go away. We'll have more right after this.
10: The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com That's freedomreporters.com Maverick News. The antivirus program for your mind.
1: Okay. So now we move on to the is the the issue of Israel, Hamas. Lieutenant Steve Rogers, I ran this last night. You many of you maybe didn't stick around to see this because we were running our feature film and had our watch party, which was kind of fun. Um, but in the course of that, did provide a couple of news updates. And this was part of that. And this adds to the story that we've just been talking about. Here he is now talking about Israel and what he wants to do about protesters here.
11: Is your symbols out in front of your homes and on and on and on that cannot stand here in the United States. And I'm sure the Canadians agree with me and anyone in the free world agree, that cannot stand. Now I'd like the Jewish people to know here in the United States, and anytime we can affect what we do here in America, in any country on, in the, on the face of the earth, we're gonna do this, we're gonna help you. Know that, know that millions and millions and millions of Americans stand with you. You will not see them marching in the streets. You will not see them causing havoc. You will not see them blocking highways and byways. You will not see them do that. But what you will see the American people do is what is most important, to get out to the polls, to vote, to remove from office every single liberal and anti, anti-Israel person and pro-Hamas person to make sure that they never, never become part of this government. And in addition to that, I have, this organization has and many with me have called for the arrest and detention of anyone protesting in favor and in support of Hamas, a terrorist organization. Now, when I first mentioned that, all hell broke loose here, but I'm going to tell you something, folks. I said it on national television. And when I was challenged, when I was challenged as to how on earth could you call for the detention of people who are protesting, exercising freedom of speech? And my answer was this, I believe in freedom of speech. I will always support that. But when that speech crosses the line to aid and abet the enemies of the United States of America, it's time to understand that that's not freedom of speech. That is the spread, the aiding and abetting of the enemy through propaganda. That is what that is. Liberals, and I must say, maybe some conservatives, But politicians, for the most, are scared to death to even repeat those words that I said. Scared to death. They're scared to death of being criticized. Well, you know, you want to take their freedom away. You want to put them in cages and on and on and on. Anyone, anyone who goes into a small town like they did in Israel, behead kids, torture people, burn babies alive, and on and on and on, they belong in a cage. They're animals. They belong in a cage. They should be put on trial and they they should be given the death penalty. It is as simple as that. It is as simple as that. Those are not people. They're animals. And I would say that against anybody that does that. And then there's this idea, this idea of of Bernie Sanders, that senator from Vermont, uh, others in the Democrat. It's always Democrats calling for a ceasefire for what? Those of us in the military who have military careers, careers that a lot of these pencil pushers in Congress don't have. uh, You know, when you have a ceasefire, you're giving the enemy to regroup. You're giving the enemy to store their ammunition and to get ready for the next attack. Imagine. And this is a fact. Hamas said, look, there's going to be another October 7th and another one and another one and another one. So Bernie Sanders and the Democrats who are calling for a ceasefire. When that happens, I hope it doesn't, but if and when it happens, and the next October 7th is in the United States of America, will you call for a ceasefire? Will you call to sit down with the bad guys and let's have a chat? Will you do that? Because that's what's gonna come. There was a ceasefire, if you will, with Iran, and they just started building in nuclear power plants again and started building bombs and financing terrorists all over the world. You know, the ceasefire was with them. Well, guys, calm down. Let's talk. Let's regroup. We're not going to hurt you. There were ceasefires between Hamas and Israel. Wow. But the rockets still came in northern Israel and southern Israel. The rockets still came. I was in Israel in the 90s. I was in Tel Aviv. And the, the rockets came. So, what good is a ceasefire if only one side is going to apply the ceasefire to the engagements they're having with the enemies?
1: Ooh, hang on a second here. Let me just pick that up. What'd he say about this?
11: Israel and southern Israel, the rockets still came. I was in Israel in the 90s, I was in Tel Aviv, and the, the rockets came. So what good is a ceasefire if only one side is going to apply the ceasefire to the engagements they're having with the enemies? No ceasefire this time. The Israelis need to go in there and clean house. That's what they need to do. They need to get get rid of every terrorist that they could find, every single last one of them. And until the United States of America does what the Israelis are doing militarily, not, to, not just through economic sanctions, which, which never worked. The only thing, the only people, the only part of the population that sanctions uh, hurt are the people, the innocent people. The Israel, the Israeli army, they don't want to see like all of us. We don't want to see innocent people, uh, uh, Palestinians killed. Those civilians are there, and they don't want to be there. But folks, you know what Bernie Sanders didn't talk about with the Democrats?
0: Okay.
1: He us to round them up and arrest them all all the people protesting that's a lot of people we've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the streets man yeah um yeah, i'm getting messages that uh the platform froze are we uh are we still broadcasting okay here i know the internet kicked out there for a moment okay hang on a second here let me just Restart this one. This is not good. Oh, man. Stupid internet here. Are you guys able to see us? Okay. It's the other, the other platform. Hang on. I'm going to take a break here so I can get the second wave, the second tier of channels functioning again properly, stay with me. Okay. I think we're okay there now. Just check the chat. Are we okay guys? Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks for letting me know. I could see that it froze, but it looked like it froze for only like a, a moment, but obviously the problem was worse than I realized, but we're back up, cranked up and rocking and rolling again. So did you guys see that stuff from Lieutenant Steve Rogers? I don't think I need to rerun that, do I? Essentially, he's Lieutenant Steve Rogers, just to to give you the recap. Canada is a national security threat to the United States because we have allowed terrorists into our country. 85 percent, he says, of all terrorists entering the United States now cross into the United States from Canada. He's talking to key politicians on the U.S. side who have their eye now on the northern border they see canada as a real credible threat a clear and present danger which is something i never thought i would ever be hearing in my lifetime and a lot of this obviously seems to be tied to the situation in israel with the conflict with between Israel and Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Refugees, immigration, protests in the streets. Lieutenant Steve Rogers tonight, again, calling for the arrest and detention of anyone who protests in favor of Hamas. That's a lot of people. We've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the streets. Anti Israeli protests, pro Hamas. Indeed, far fewer pro Israeli people out there than there are pro Palestine, pro Hamas. And how far do you go? How many people have been out there using that chant? From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which equates. So, we're going to wipe Israel off the map. Would that be enough to justify if uh, having people to get you to have you thrown in the slammer, detained, arrested, incarcerated, held on what? Terrorism charges? I don't know. Maybe we can get some clarification from him. That seems. That's pretty heavy-duty stuff, and he has a lot of a uh, lot of followers. Does it carry any weight? Not really. He's not in office, as far as I know, but he does have some sway with politicians and certainly with his online community. Um, and I can't I can't argue against the threat. I see it too. I do. It's very concerning to me. The polarization, the people at each other's throats out in the streets, I think it's just all the way around a terrible thing. It's not good for our countries here. This conflict, we've imported it and now it's here. It's not just over there anymore. And it's not because, you know, uh, well, I guess indirectly it is because foreign governments i think have been throwing kerosene on a fire helping it burn the result more refugees more immigration and we've imported the problem in an effort to do the right thing to be to be good people We've, uh, we've left ourselves vulnerable. Hmm. I'm just looking at the comments in here. Yeah. And I, I see people making reference to, uh, watch this person, watch that person. Yeah, you know what I'm seeing a lot of right now? I'm seeing a lot of um, journalists and influencers who are showing bias in a way that makes me question their credibility all the way around, not naming names. But I'm taking note. Yeah, looking at all the comments. Yeah, I know. I hear you guys. I hear y'all. And Curly May is asking if I'm talking about Kevin O'Leary. No, I don't know, honestly. No, uh, not, not specifically Kevin O'Leary. He, I, I don't know. If that's his, all I'm saying is his name has been thrown around out west. I think his name has been dropped out there. But whether there's any truth to that, i can't say i i didn't know that his name was going to get thrown around over here on this program it just did on the live portion i can't accuse kevin o'leary of anything other than uh you know all i know is his name is being thrown around as part of a political party that's all i know and he's actually he's he's been tied directly to the conservative party of canada he ran for the leadership so we know he has, has a direct connection there beyond that, there's some weird things going on for sure. Stuff that I'm looking at, but no, I can't accuse Kevin O'Leary of doing anything underhanded or improper at all. So I did reach out to him. He hasn't responded. And I'm honestly not surprised given the nature of the subject matter that his name was being tied to, but that's why I reached out to him because it was it was actually pretty surprising to me that he would even be associated with it in any way, but there's his name. Anyway, we'll see if he, uh, if he responds so far, no response from Kevin O'Leary, which I don't know what to read into that. I just don't know, but whether he likes it or not, his name is still being thrown around it. there, not by me, but by other people. And, um, He might want to respond to it, and he might want to call me to find out what's going on, and I'll fill him in. Let's take another break, and uh, we'll move on to other news of the day, Uh, stuff that's actually related to the stuff that we've just been talking about. So even though we're trying to move on, it keeps trapping us. We can't get away from it.
2: Greetings Brave Mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now, now. Tomorrow, maybe too late, too late, too late, too late. Maverick News. The, the world is watching. Is watching.
1: What should we touch on next? Kind of keep the the thread going here properly. So let's segue into well, let's do this next. The um, the Christmas thing. It's just a brief thing. The Canadian Human Rights Commission says Christmas is discriminatory. Oh, man. And this, yeah, I think it's related to everything we've just been talking about. Christmas is discriminatory, says Canadian Human Rights Commission report. Observance of Jesus' birth is an obvious example of religious bias rooted in colonialism. And this is uh, from a Black Locks report. Let's move over and take a look at that specific report. And you know, this is all a result of changing demographics, living in a secular society, ongoing assaults on Christianity, a constant barrage of online propaganda, all designed to make us question and lose confidence in our institutions, in our churches, in our government, even in ourselves call Christmas colonial bias. So there's that report. Black locks. (sighs) Merry Xmas. (laughs) Oh, I'm still going to celebrate Christmas. I am. You know, this is fifth generation warfare and um, And then I got to thinking, you know, it's like everybody is so twisted around, so confused about everything. Um, a lot of that is because of the information war. It's all because of the information war. And I got to thinking about Battlestar Galactica. There are two versions, right? The original, and then there's the newer one. And the reason I was thinking about it is because that storyline so plays into what is going on today. You know, it really, it's about digital, synthetic transhumanism created by humans and that sort of future versus natural, organic, Biological analog existence, which is what we all come from, but we're now moving into a digital reality. Here I am sitting in a computer in front of you. I'm this is a digital manifestation of me that you're watching. Is it really me, or is that? just bits and bites and bits of energy. What's reality? What isn't artificial intelligence, all these things. So Battlestar Galactica. When I watched it as a kid, it also dealt with very loosely, but the references were there to colonialism because the storyline goes, of course, that, uh, these Cylons are created by humans. And then the day comes along when they decide to turn on their human creators and exterminate them. But it opens up all these questions about what is human and the humans flee their homeland, and go to exploring across the universe in search of earth. But they're called colonial warriors because they're settlers. Apparently, you know, the Cylons, the creation of the humans, I guess they, I don't know if they're settlers or not, but they're referred to as colonial warriors. So there's this, this whole thing about it, right? Let me just uh, show you. So here's the um, here's a little t- t- little bit from the original series, and you know this is actually I'm trying to have a serious discussion. This isn't just me, you know, reminiscing of a Battlestar Galactica. There's a serious, very serious side to this. Let me just speed this up a little bit so I can run it without getting the copyright strike.
7: Are those who believe that life here began out there, far across the universe, with tribes of humans who may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians, or the Toltecs, or the Maya.
1: Interesting how it all kind of goes back to uh, you know, the ancient times.
7: Some believe that there may yet be brothers of man who even now fight to survive somewhere beyond the heavens. Okay, so
1: Battlestar Galactica 1978. Oh, I was I was pumped when I was a kid when that came out. The original released in theaters first as a feature-length film, then shown on television later and became a TV series. Great storyline, sort of dumbed down a little bit or made family friendly. It was aimed at exactly, you know, me when I was a kid in the 70s. And it deals with a lot of the issues that we're dealing with today. But more so the newer version of Battlestar Galactica. Let me bring that up. Run you a little bit of that. And we'll... We started over. The Silas were created by man. They were created to make life easier on the 12 colonies. Slaves. Machines or slaves? And then the day came when the Silas decided to kill their masters. After a long and bloody struggle, an armistice was declared. We're silent, him can meet and maintain diplomatic relations. Every year, the colonials, blah, 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 uh, the silence, send to no one. No one has seen or heard from the silence over 40 years. Oh, but there they are. These are the new silence The old ones are cooler, too. I kind of like the old ones. Uh-oh. In trouble now. Deep doo-doo. And so they can take on human form in this... Uh, this version. Anyway, you're getting the idea, right? And I'm sure you're familiar with the storyline, so I won't go too deep into it. And I don't want to get nailed to the copyright thing, so we'll just pull down out of that. But, you know. So it just raises a lot of questions. So like, for instance, imagine if we were invaded and occupied by a foreign power. What would you do? Would you fight back? A lot of people trying to fight back right now because they kind of feel like we have been invaded, right? Or what if someone pointed a gun straight at you, threatened to kill you, unless you signed an order that you knew would condemn hundreds or thousands of people to certain death? Would you be responsible for those deaths? And if you have superior technology as European settlers did when they arrived in Canada and what became Canada and the United States, because they had guns, gunpowder and superior technology, does that give you the right to impose your will on a culture that is technologically inferior? Now, if something is sentient, if a robot or if artificial intelligence, a computer, becomes self-aware or believes that it's a human being or acts like it's human, or if it becomes self-aware, like how in 2001, A Space Odyssey, but if it thinks it's alive, and what if it even looks human? Should that then be treated like a human? Should it have the same rights as a human being? At what point does something become human? These are questions that are all relevant to what is going on today. We hear rhetoric from people like Lieutenant Steve Rogers, officials at the IDF in Israel, people who represent Hamas, all calling each other human animals or just animals that need to be essentially exterminated. We've heard that kind of rhetoric before in various words, especially in world war II. And here we go again. And here's this television series that originally was sort of aimed at kids dealing with these really heavy duty, philosophical questions a lot of what the newer version of the series was based on was the fear the uncertainty and the moral ambiguity that came after 911 in this new world that we're living in this new more restrictive world where our rights are under constant pressure erosion there are lessons i think to be learned from that television series if not lessons it puts us through a mental exercise like the one that we're going through right now forcing us to think about these very issues Colonialism, settlers, slavery, what is it? And the way warfare is fought today, it sort of plays out in uh, in a real way in Battlestar Galactica. It makes you think and it gives you uh, a frame of reference that helps you understand, I think, the way war is being waged today. Fifth generation warfare. You see, the Cylons basically... Digital, a digital life form, a form of transhumanism has taken hold within the world, within their world, where cybernetic organisms or robots, Cylons, have sort of crossed that line from being a machine into a sentient, self aware. Transhuman life form, which begs the question should they still be enslaved or should they be freed? Should they be there to serve their masters? Are they just machines? Should they just be treated as machines? And it all comes down to perception, the way people view things. Some people think animals should have, like, literally animals, like cows and sheep and geese and bats and frogs and toads. They should all have the same kinds of rights as human beings. Some people take it to that level. And so what we're faced with here is, um, you know, an endless war, and there's not really what's going on in Israel, Palestine, Thousands of years, really, if you want to keep going back and back and back and back in time. And now that conflict is here on our shores. We have in many respects, according to Lieutenant Steve Rogers, we have been invaded. So how are we going to deal with this? And it is fifth generation information warfare. And that brings me full circle to what we were talking about last night. You know, it's about it's also about this struggle between the digital reality versus the organic or natural reality natural law as some people put it versus man made law that in itself is sort of a separate question but more to the point it's what kind of future do we want do we want one that is predicated on technology that takes us into an unknown future because it's a it will be a, really a brave new world we're entering that now and in many respects it does Reflect, our current brave new world, does reflect exactly what was laid out in Huxley's novel, A Brave New World, science fiction. We're seeing all those things play out, whether it's the use of drugs or the approach to relationships and sexuality. All of those things predicted in his book are true today. And in terms of Battlestar Galactica, the just the very clear line, the question, digital, analog, transhuman, organic. Spike vaccines or natural vaccines or no vaccines at all. What kind of future do you want? And I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's that cut and dried. Unfortunately, you know, I think that um, people do tend to look at things in black and white terms. Good versus bad. You know, good versus evil. Black versus white. Up versus down. Left, you know, fascism versus communism. Last night, what were we talking about? Flying cars. This is really a, a, a teachable moment in time because the flying car thing is a perfect example of what I uh, how I see people being misled or because of fear. They're not really asking, we're not really asking the right questions. And we're not really demanding the right things, which is why, especially people sort of on the freedom side, if you will, who feel threatened, can't seem to make any gains or they feel like they can't make gains. We feel like we can't win. It's because we're not asking the right questions. We're not demanding the right things. Just like in the movie that we ran last night, which is Things to Come. They had the space gun to shoot people into space and go to the moon. And the angry mob descended upon the space gun at the end because they decided that it was a threat to their way of life, a threat to humanity. They were against progress, technology. They didn't want that. So there were two competing factions. And because of the fear of the future, some people wanted to just destroy it rather than deal with it. And then as the movie sort of lays out, I think the message from the movie is that people are always self-destructive in that way because they they let fear overcome them. They can't think rationally. And then we keep self-destructing only to then recover and reach even greater heights later. But as soon as we reach a new new height, it takes time for people, a lot of the people, I think maybe even just, you know, the average person to catch up to the technology that accelerates at a more rapid pace over time. And I think that's where we're at in many respects today, too. People, we're all very afraid of change. Nobody hates change more than me. I'm set in my ways, that's for sure. But I've learned over time that you can't stop change. You can't. It's coming. It's inevitable. And in a lot of ways, it is a mistake to try to resist it. You have to adapt, learn to cope and use it. And that's what I've been trying to say here on the program too. And the flying car thing, perfect example. So last night on the show, when we had the call-in portion, I don't remember who it was that called in, but they were worried they didn't like the flying cars, the idea of it, because the response was, don't like it because they'll just impose a social credit score on it, and then you won't be able to use it, so we shouldn't have it. Wrong question. Wrong response. Wrong approach. Let me show you, well, what the flying car thing looks like. Again, this is a different one. A lot of new designs coming out, new technology being developed. Hyundai in particular is a company that is on the cutting edge of this stuff. As I showed you last night, they have a whole plan set up for heliports, mini airports and urban areas that will basically eliminate the need for the construction of overlapping super highways and roadways, and maybe even high speed rail. It'll just replace all of that. You could leave huge green areas, just leave forests there and fly right over them. You know, instead of building highways, you could use land for farms. And just fly right over them. You don't need to stack highways on top of each other between cities you just have air You don't have to build anything. They just fly. Well, here's a- another design from Hyundai's related company, Supernal. Just run a little bit of this so you can see what I'm... Car makers are rising to the challenge of shaking up the aviation industry with new types of aircraft powered in more environmentally sustainable ways that could open up new modes of transportation. Companies like South Korea's Hyundai and its new advanced air mobility division Supernal believe they're best qualified to press the reset button. Supernal came to the recent Farber air show in England to make its case to the aerospace community and it gave crowds a glimpse of what its first planned five-seat Evitol vehicle
9: looks like. So what we've got here is a rendering of the cabin that was uh, developed in conjunction with Hyundai's design centers um, and uh, the Hyundai Motor Group, so the various brands. And it is focused on making it uh, passenger-friendly, accessible, uses very light colors. The structure of the construction is, is very functional, so hand grips and coat racks and a window display that's based on a butterfly, biomimicry, to give uh, line of sight for the passengers. So we've had very positive reactions. We think it shows that special something that the car designers have been able to bring to the table.
0: Well,
1: during the Farmer Air Show, the UK endured record high temperatures that exceeded 40 degrees Celsius. Well, whatever, I don't care about that. But what I do care about is a great future, a prosperous future, a future of growth with a higher standard of living for everyone, a society where we solve a lot of the problems facing humankind, those machines are tools, nothing more. We shouldn't be afraid of them, whether they're powered by batteries or maybe we could still... You know, there's no reason they can't power those things with aviation fuel, gasoline, essentially. Regardless, they're coming. We're being told that, and the technology is there. They could do it now. They just need to build it. It's just going to take some time, and it is coming. But it, it occurred to me, thinking about Battlestar Galactica, the digital future, the convergence of digital technology and human beings machines and man transhumanism artificial intelligence displacement of workers the real issue is not so much the technology itself it's a class struggle of sorts not necessarily you know a communist versus fascist class struggle although you may view it that way i guess you could in in a way it's it's a globalist elite vision of the future being super being imposed upon the masses and the average person the working class and the welfare class if you want to call it that you know the most vulnerable in society they don't know how to cope they 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 are the most vulnerable they feel the most vulnerable and yet everyone is vulnerable heading into the future even the most educated because doctors lawyers scientists all kinds of white collar workers bankers everyone jobs at risk if you're a banker you may soon be replaced by a computer using artificial intelligence that can make decisions Using artificial generative intelligence, which is the next tier of AI, they're all going to lose their jobs. Highly skilled, highly educated people with specialized skills and knowledge. What will that result in? They're, go- they're going to to be out in in uh, in massive numbers looking for some sort of gainful employment. They'll be working in farm fields, except they won't even be able to do that because mechanical pickers have replaced most of those workers as well. So what are people going to do? I personally think human beings will adapt, we'll all shift, we'll all find other vocations, do things that AI ultimately will not be capable of doing. In exactly the same way, human beings will bring value that can't be realized in any other way. But the fear, the fear could drive us all and is driving some of us to run after the space gun, like a mob attempting to destroy it because we're afraid of it. Instead of seeing and realizing the potential of it and embracing it and making it work for us. Instead of, I would put it to you, instead of running like a mob toward the space gun, or in this case, the flying car, and demanding that it just not happen, trying to destroy it, destroy the potential, destroy it all, kill it before it happens, it's a mistake. Because one, we're not going to stop it. The technology is coming whether we like it or not. It's inevitable. Two, it's the wrong approach, the wrong question, because it's really about this. It's about access. And I want access. I want access for me. I want access for you. I want opportunity for me and opportunity for you. I want everyone to have equal opportunity and equal access to the system. That's the key to the whole thing. And not because of a social credit score, but because it's socially just. And I'm not talking about social justice in the same way that the neoliberal progressive woke crowd talk about it. I'm talking about it from the perspective of an individual's rights, about personal liberty. But what's enshrined in the U.S. Constitution, less so in Canada, but those concepts are still powerful and still there. And that's what we need to defend and demand. And yet it's a socialist kind of idea. I can't remember who it is that said this, but there was a prominent Canadian politician years ago that resonated with what, what he said. And I read this. I didn't hear him say it but it was in a textbook. And I'm, very, I'm so sorry, I can't remember his name. But it was a question. Stuck with me. It's also been with me my whole adult life since university. The question asked was, in an affluent society, is a man who cannot afford a bus ticket, truly free? It's an important question, entirely relevant to everything we're talking about, because it's about expectations, it's about standards, it's about equal opportunity and access. It's the key to everything. It means, depending on where you live in the world, or what time in history you we happen to live in, our expectations are different. If you lived in the 1800s, before there were automobiles, the most you could hope for was to maybe have a horse, and maybe a horse and buggy not an automobile, but as time marches on, society becomes more and more affluent, more technological. Do you still want to have the horse and buggy or do you want the automobile? You want the automobile. You want access to that. Or maybe to the streetcar. You know, you want a Model T and then, you know, you see, go from the streetcar, you want to graduate, you want to You aspire to getting a Model T, and then as time goes on, then you're going to get into modern era vehicles. And if you can't have access to a car, at least you want access to public transit of some kind so you can get around so that you have an equal opportunity to move about and have freedom of movement and mobility so you can go to a job, go visit your family, have a high standard of living comparable to what anybody else in society has. So you have the same level of opportunity. Would it not be a mistake? I mean, you can be an Amish if you want to be. You can freeze time if you choose to build a parallel society, go back in time, or choose to not embrace technology at all. A lot of some people have done that, and that's a choice, and they find peace and fulfillment in whatever it is in in their way of life, and that's entirely cool. But me, I want great opportunities for my community, for my neighbors, for my kids. I don't want them to just have access to a horse. I want them to be able to have a car if they want it. And if they'd want to live in a big city in the core, maybe they don't want a car, but they want access to public transit. They need to be able to at least afford to buy that bus ticket. So they can get around, so they have equal opportunity, access to the system, access to a job, access to the mobility that provides transportation to and from or for that job. So they can feed their families in the future. We're not going to be able to stop flying cars. I don't want to destroy them right now. I want equal access. I want to be able to ride in that thing. I want you to be able to ride and it if you choose to. I want you to be able to buy one, if that's the standard of the day, so that you can have access to it too, so that you can compete for the jobs, so that you can have the same quality of life as someone who is affluent, so that everyone hits a certain, stand, a certain level of affluence. That's about the middle class. What is middle class? It's a different standard depending on the area you live in and depending on what technology we have at the time. And I think it's a mistake to be so fearful of what is coming in the future and the very near future to run away from it, to run into the woods, live in a shed or a tent And think that you're doing yourself a favor by prepping to a point where it's like, I'm just going to get off grid, go live like a hermit in the mountains, away from everyone. And for some people, maybe that's what you want to do. And that's cool. And you can become entirely self-sufficient if you want to. But you are removing yourself from the rest of society. You're becoming grizzly atoms living in the mountains, isolating yourself. Freezing time, maybe using technology. That's the ironic thing about this. I see people doing it, getting off grid, and yet they embrace technology. They put up solar panels and use all these technologies that the people on the other side are trying to use anyway. And they end up doing to themselves what they're afraid the other side is going to do to them, which is to abandon everything or have. Or abandon their standard of living to then go live in an isolated way instead of having a a larger home in the suburbs with a a vehicle or maybe even a flying car. They go live in the mountains or they've decided they're going to go live off grid and live off in the woods someplace. No. Where life can be very difficult, honestly, if you're there by yourself. And no man is an island. You still have dependency on the rest of society in some way, because if you have solar panels, you still need to surface them. They're going to last 20 years. Then you got to replace them. Where are you going to get those? They're going to be manufactured someplace at a factory, and you're going to have to have them shipped in. And I understand. I understand. I understand. I understand. My point is though, can't just run away from stuff all the time. If it, 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 it makes more sense to say, Hey, we're gonna get organized. We know this stuff is coming. So let's take steps, put pressure on, to make sure we have access, equal access. That means fighting things like social credit scores, for sure. It means getting involved with our legislators, policymakers, politicians. Bureaucrats getting involved in our communities to put safeguards in place, guardrails that ensure everyone stays on the road and that uh, these technologies are not abused in ways that hurt people, that they benefit us and that we all have enough money to buy a ticket to get on that flying car because if you don't have the money to get on that flying car, you can't buy that ticket. The guy who does is going to get the job in the city that on foot is weeks away (laughs) by traditional car is maybe three or four hours away. He's going to be there every day in 15 minutes. And that's not a 15-minute city. That's a 15-minute country. Because he's going to get from one city to the next in 15 minutes. Where he's going to work. Then he's going to climb back in the, the, the flying car and fly back to his home in the suburbs in 15 minutes. And you couldn't do it in a day. In a conventional vehicle. Because they're that fast. Think about the future. I want access. I want access for everyone. I don't want to throw the future away. I don't want to destroy the space gun. I don't want to smash it. I want to make sure that we all have access to it. Because you see, that's the thing. If they're going to build these things. They have to make sure everybody has access. These solve the problems of congestion in big cities. Parking, traffic issues. These solve the problems. And they bring the world closer together. So we better learn how to live together too, because we're all going to be living in a more condensed world. Not because we're so much physically closer together, but because these machines will compress time. They'll make everything more efficient. We're going to get from point A to point B way faster. If you aren't, time is money, time is productivity, time is efficiency, mobility, and mobility is a right. Mobility is a right. You have the right to move around, but are your rights being violated? Is your right to mobility being violated if in a modern society You don't have the money to buy the ticket to get on that flying car, at least the public transit version of it, let alone to purchase a flying car so you have it available to you at a moment's notice, the way cars and public transit are set up today. The point is, we shouldn't be afraid of the future. We just need to recognize that it's coming, see, and and then work through it and deal with it because it's coming anyway. Think rationally about it. And the warfare stuff, you know, the Cylons, the digital reality, like that's all coming true too, whether we like it or not. And it's here now. And people better open the other eye and stop being just half awake and get the other eye open and understand that you are the cybernetic organism because your head, like mine, is stuck in the metaverse already, being bombarded with messaging constantly all day long through the internet. We're being manipulated, so make yourself more media literate. Open your eyes understand that it isn't just a lot of the time the people that or the organizations, the entities, the, our government, which is getting the blame for everything, including you, by the way. It's not always the case. There are multiple players here. You just saw that notice from CSIS. Foreign actors getting involved here. Because they're attacking us in unprecedented new ways digital warfare and it's right there and when they do that, by the way, you know the first thing they do, oh it's not you know they, they send in operatives or they convince people who repeat this messaging oh no, it would never be China it's the, it's the CIA. <laughs> It's always the CIA every single time. It could be the CIA. But it's the other guys too. It's all of them. But we've got a problem (laughs) with, with terrorism and it's on our doorstep. So wake up to that too. We've got that going on. Like it or not. That's the new reality too just food for thought let's take a break I'm going to take a look and see if there's anything else that I have for us before we move on Uh, so don't go away and don't eat the crickets
2: we are mavericks we say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order and to bugs, because bugs are creepy and gross, and people should not eat bugs. Maverick News, the world is watching.
1: bugs i'm not eating them i check the ingredients when i go to the grocery store now and i don't eat them and they're out there already man you can find them and they're like i said before man they're going to grind those things up and they're putting them in uh you know flour and processed food products and you're not aware (laughs) but not me i check the ingredients so i hope i'm not getting them anyway. I'm determined to avoid eating bugs as much as possible. And that's not running away from the future. That's running away from insanity. For <laughs> loud. And they are nuts. Some of these people are just plain freaking nuts. So just say no to the bugs and say no to Trudeau and Biden. Let's get things back on track. Um, Joe Biden met with um, Mexican President Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador. Um, and they were talking about, and this is go back, um, I think on Friday, they were talking about migration the border fentanyl drugs all of that stuff it relates to everything that we're talking about here too we didn't really get much out of um the apac summit but uh, this is what uh, what they said just run a little bit of this
8: That all our citizens benefit from our economic growth And uh, we see it in our work to strengthen supply chains, including through the America's Partnership for Economic Prosperity. And we've been cooperating there as well. We've seen our cooperation to address historic levels of migration. And I want to thank you, Mr. President, and your team. I really mean it for the cooperation, your leadership in taking on this challenge. I know it's not easy. Together, we're taking a balanced approach that, lies at the heart of the los angeles declaration on migration and protection and we and 19 other nations have signed on to that agreement so it includes enforcing our borders increasing reparations and opening historic number of legal pathways for migrants so i want to thank you again all the things that are of consequence to us i couldn't have a better partner than you thank you
12: We are highly satisfied of joining you here in San Francisco and have the opportunity to meet President Biden anew. The relation between our countries is excellent. Our people, our friends, This is a respectful and cooperative relationship for development. In recent years, basically due to this great relationship we have with our neighboring and brother country, we are commercial partners. We are the main trade partners in the world. Which is outstanding. At the same time, there are around forty million Mexicans working and living with decency in the United States, which strengthens our bonds and of course, progress needs to be made further. Progress needs to be made to address the migratory phenomenon. We're working on that jointly in coordination. And we wish to thank President Biden, because he is the first president in recent times in opening legal pathways for migration. In the past, there were no possibilities for people who needed to come to the United States. There were no legal possibilities open. And it is President Biden who opened up this possibility upon a request placed by Central America and the Caribbean countries. They file the petition, and after an assessment is made, they are allowed to enter the United States, which means that they no longer have to cross our country with all the suffering and risks such endeavor poses. It's a humane way to address the migratory phenomenon, and I would also like to express and to state that he is the first president in the United States in recent times who has not built walls. It is true. And we need to continue to support one another. So migration is an option and not enforced. We wish to assist the people in their countries of origin when they are forced to migrate. We are fully satisfied in holding this meeting. And as regards to drug control, Mexico's undertaking is to continue to support, so we do not allow the introduction of chemical, components and chemical precursors to fentanyl because we're fully aware of the damage it poses to the United States youth. This is a matter of humanism, it's an act of solidarity. We are sincerely committed to continue to assist at our fullest capacity to prevent drug trafficking namely the
1: okay so bottom line is i don't think anything's changing they're saying these things but i'm not really hearing much on the uh, you know the policy side specifically uh so the proof will be in the pudding right and uh He's really praising him for having essentially an open border. (laughs) That's what I'm hearing anyway. Maybe some other people will be hearing it differently. It's status quo on that, on both fronts, I think. Even the drug called controlling the drugs and the precursors for the production of certain drugs, including fentanyl. So, Don't expect much to change until we get regime change. You know what? What has changed, though, is the reality for Taylor Swift. <gasps> Poor Taylor Swift. Look at the headlines she's getting now. Where is it here? Oh, hang on. I had that queued up. There it is. Sorry, wrong one. Wrong window. You know she's been the darling of media. In her Eris tour got all kinds of free media hype. But not now. Taylor Swift's Rio tour marred by death's muggings and a dangerous heat wave. Bum, 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 bum. Picture here that says Taylor Swift fans wait for the doors of Milton Santos Olympic Stadium to open for her Eras tour concert amid a heatwave in rio de janeiro brazil saturday a 23-year-old taylor swift fan died at the singer's eras tour concert in rio friday night according to a statement from the show's organizers in brazil and so now they're coming after taylor in the media now it's dangerous to go to taylor swift Concerts. The deaths of two people, muggings, and a dangerous heatwave left legions of Taylor Swift's Brazilian fans angry and disappointed in the three day Rio de Janeiro leg of the Pop Stars, Pop Superstars era's tour, which concludes Monday night. That's tonight. Gabriel Manganant Santana Milhoman Santos, 25. That was the fan. It was a fan who traveled all the way from the center of the country to see the Swift concert was stabbed to death on a Copacabana beach about 3 a.m. Monday. So this guy, this person is on a beach. Yeah. there for the, for the concert and they're connecting that to the stabbing to the concert. I don't know if that's even fair. And then the other person who died—they're wondering if it was because of the heat. Fans also reported fainting from extreme heat, being mugged, or getting caught up in a police raid. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Like this will be short-lived, but it just shows how media will turn on you just as easily as they'll celebrate you. In fact, they—they—they uh, they seem to rejoice and take take pleasure in the tearing down after they build you up. In fact, it was, uh, the cycle went a while back with her. She was riding high in the media for a while. But then they started to turn on her because she was refusing to say or pick a side in politics. She was remaining entirely neutral. Wouldn't even comment on political things. And they were putting more and more pressure on her to come out on the side of woke. And she resisted, and she started to get criticized. And then she made that music video. I think it was over in Africa. And she was accused, she was so attacked over it. Um... Taylor Swift. I'm going to search this. Taylor Swift music video. Yeah, Taylor Swift is dreaming of a white Africa. This is the NPR report about it. You remember that videos, music videos she made? I'll show you the report here. This is just what comes to mind, and it's. Uh, This is a big, oops. Taylor Swift is dreaming of a very white Africa. The video for American Taylor Swift's new song, Wildest Dreams, has been viewed more than 10 million times in the two days since it debuted. This is back in 2015. Man, I'm getting old. (laughs) In it, we see two beautiful white people falling in love while surrounded by vast expanses of beautiful African landscapes and beautiful animals, a lion, a giraffe, a zebra. Taylor Swift is dressed as a colonial era woman on African soil, with just a few exceptions. The cast in the video, the actors playing her boyfriend and a movie director and his staff all appear to be white. (laughs) We are shocked to think that in 2015, Taylor Swift, her record label, and her video production group would think it is okay to film a video that presents a glamorous version of the white colonial fantasy of Africa. Of course, this is not the first time that white people have romanticized colonialism. See Louis Vuitton's 2014 campaign, Ernest Hemingway's Snows of Kilimanjaro, the 1962 film Lawrence of Arabia, and of course, Karen Blixen's memoir, Out of Africa, but it still stings. Cancel culture. Here are some facts for Swift and her team. Colonialism was neither romantic nor beautiful. It was exploitive and brutal. The legacy of colonialism still lives quite loudly to this day. Scholars have argued that poor economic performance, weak property rights and tribal tensions across the continent can be traced to colonial strategies. So can other woes. In a place full of devastation and lawlessness, diseases spread like wildfire, conflict breaks out, and dictators grab power. Swift's wildest dreams are a visual representation of what the Kenyan author, Dinyavanga Wenana, writes about in his Garanta magazine essay, How to Write About Africa. In your text, treat Africa as if it were one country. It is a hot and dusty, with rolling grasslands and huge herds of animals and tall, thin people who are starving. Or is it hot and steamy with very short people who eat primates? Don't get bogged down with precise descriptions. Africa is big, 54 countries and 900 million people We're too busy starving and dying and warring and emigrating to read your book. The continent is full of deserts, jungles, highlands, savannas, and many other things, but your reader doesn't care about all that, so keep your descriptions romantic and evocative and unparticular. Why be encumbered with the African people or show them in your Wildest Dreams video when they're busy mutilating each other and their genitals? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so anyway, she got attacked. That's the bottom line. So, what did she do? And here's the here's some of the video. Let's let's bring that video up for you. Gotta let this go. Really
7: worried about climate change.
9: Yeah, I mean, we need to find every way possible to, to reduce
7: emissions from oil sands operations,
1: like carbon stop, capture uh, and stop. storage. Okay, yeah. Correct. We have to work. The- okay, whatever. I, I gotta. I'm gonna speed this up. Gives you because I don't want the copyright strike. Okay. So put this here. See the style, you know, it's very vintage. Sort of, uh, I would say, you know, 30s style, 20s, 1920s. So you got the idea. So that was the video. And, you know, cliches from the past, style from the past. Still out there, but she got hammered on that. So what did she do? She caved. She caved, man. And she came out woke. So as soon as she started to say woke things, all that just went away. All that criticism. The video is still out there, hasn't been removed, hasn't been canceled. Nobody's calling for Taylor Swift boycotts. It's all still there because she came out, towed the line, and got woke. So they leave her alone. They built her back up. The heiress to her comes along. Free publicity Constantly. people lining up huge dollars being paid for the tickets, huge success. When the media builds you up, they can't wait to tear you down. It's sort of starting right now. She'll survive it. She's still their darling, even though they're coming for her, they're gunning for her, they're hitting her, they're they're hammering on her, but it'll, It'll peter out after a while, and they'll build her back up again real soon. You'll see. Once this is done, it'll come around. They have to have some negative stuff in there to make, make the, the other stuff seem even better than it really is. It's all a game. It's all a game. But unfortunately, the deaths are real. The deaths are real. Let me take another quick break. I'm just going to check and see if there are any new developments here in any of the news stories that we've been covering here tonight. And I'll bring you up to date on the other side of this. Yeah, we can update this and this is a positive thing. Uh, Israel's cabinet has approved a ceasefire deal with Hamas. This will bring a temporary halt to the war. We're now into what's week six of this conflict. And as part of this deal, about 50 hostages will be released. They have about 240 hostages still in custody and 50 of them will be released under this deal. They're being held in the Gaza Strip, of course, and this will happen over a four-day period. And the cabinet, the government, the Israeli government says it will extend the ceasefire an additional day for every 10 hostages that Hamas releases. The first hostages to be released are apparently going to be women and children. But Benjamin Netanyahu says Israel will resume its offensive against Hamas as soon as the ceasefire expires. It isn't clear at this point when this will take effect. So that's very positive news tonight, a step in the right direction, at least. And of course, we all know what's been going on over there. Tragedy on both sides possibly even war crimes committed by both sides. And that I think is closer to the truth than, than most or even the vast majority of what I'm seeing online, even from people who present themselves as credible social media, independent influencers, journalists, whatever they want to call themselves. I see a lot of bias and I see a lot of picking and sides. And because of that, I'm seeing a whole lot of propaganda. And it is a difficult time, disappointing. I don't know. But that's the way it is on this. 21st of November, 2023. I'm going to take another break. I'm going to set up a phone system, but we're doing it different tonight. I want to do an experiment with the system. I'm going to put up a different number and I'll put it on the screen right now. We'll only take a, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, Here's the phone number. So different phone number to call in tonight for the call-in show. One, three, two, one, three, five, five, seven, six, seven, eight. That's one, three, two, one, three, five, five, seven, six, seven, eight. Let's uh, take a little break here. And I'll be right back on the other side of this.
9: the sharing of biased and false False news
1: has become all too common
0: on on social media. More alarmingly, some media, some are true without
7: checking facts first. Unfortunately, some members of the media use their platforms to push their own personal bias and agenda to control
0: exactly
7: what people think, and this is extremely dangerous to our democracy.
1: In an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose
6: not
10: the red pill, choose not the blue pill, for both are an illusion. Discover the power of M, the power of individuality.
1: We are mavericks, we are the way to the light. Fear not the storm. Join our quest for truth. Truth will set you free. Maverick News.
0: The World is Watching.
10: The New World Order. Government Overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream Media Lies. Now more than ever. Independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com That's freedomreporters.com Maverick News The Antivirus Program For Your Mind
1: Okay, so that experiment already didn't work. (laughs) So let's do this different. Well, we're going to do the same thing. I'm just going to do, it's just a different phone number. Okay, so here's the phone number. the screen. And the number is going to be, that's the magic number, 1443-961-7798. One, four, four, three, nine, six, one, seven, seven, nine, eight. Oh, man. That was funny. I had it all planned out and then it just kind of didn't work. Oh, you'll also need this thing. I don't know if this is going to work. I forgot about this. Yeah, you're going to need a pin number to make this work. All right, maybe this won't work so well. It's gonna get too complicated for you guys. Tell you what, screw that. I'll go back to the old way. Already running into trouble. This is ridiculous, Rick. Don't do that to the people. It's just too difficult, okay? Just do this, call this number, the one you always call. Join the conversation. Call 1 975
2: 3733. That's 1 975. Free.
1: Speak up. Speak out. Make your voice heard. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom by defending your right to free speech. Be a Maverick. Join us. Folks, I'm just uh, just about there. And just a second. I think I got it. I do. All right, we're ready to rock and roll. And let me put that number up on the screen here for you. The uh, the usual number. I do that in my dog's ear all the time. Not quite like that, though. It's in a more gentle way with him. It calms him down. He's pretty high strung. He's still young. Where's that number? Hello, number? Where'd you go, number? There we are. I had it. Oh, I'm in the wrong thing. When you're here alone, trying to do, a push all the buttons, it's hard to, uh, there it is, hard to find her. one 975 3733 and we have the first caller of the night, he's up, here he is, he's the man. Hello, sir.
6: He's not the man.
1: I thought it was Leo, but it's
0: you.
6: i beat him to the punch Uh i beat him tonight that's better i like this number better keep this number that other one we needed a pin number when you called it
1: yeah i know i know i'm trying to find a solution to this (laughs) call-in system because it's so darn expensive um it really costs a lot of money to run it and uh anyway but that's my that's my problem it it comes
6: up It comes up as an international number, a Florida number when you call it.
1: Yeah, it's a U.S.-based number, but I I don't think it costs anything to call it. But anyway, we're back doing doing it the old-fashioned way.
6: uh, I wasn't going to call in tonight, but I wanted to tell you about something that happened to me. So Mm -hmm. you know how you've touched on um, people being scammed and stuff in the past?
1: With uh, cryptocurrency or whatever?
6: Well, just being scammed in general, like ordering online and anything like that. Yeah. So, a month ago, I thought I would order. Um, I was on Marketplace and I came across this website that said Marshall's, which is the Marshall stores and winners and everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is a legitimate site. <laughs> um... So, I went and I ordered this chair that folds out to a bed. And I thought this would be great for my grandson when he comes to visit. So, it was like $38. And of course, Fifty-four dollars comes out of your account, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
6: Okay, no big deal. And I start tracking it, and it starts off in China because it'll be there in eight days. By the fifteenth day, it hasn't even got to to Canada yet. Right? So mm-hmm. I'm watching it, right? Every once in a while, you'll get a um, something in English that you can read. So it arrives in Canada. Then it's going to customs. Then customs is going through it. Blah blah blah. Anyways, eventually arrives in Alberta here okay that was great then it said it arrived in my town so I'm going okay this is great so I'm expecting a delivery like you know a courier service deliver it right and I'm waiting and and nothing now this time we're talking about 18 days into this all right (laughs) so
0: Mm
6: -hmm. I uh I sent the company a message and I said I haven't got it yet They said oh well check your mail and I'm going it wouldn't come in the mail, but okay, I'll go check my mail to see if there's a card. Maybe it went to some depot or something. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Nothing,
6: nothing. Checked all the courier companies in town where they drop off. Nothing, nothing. Went to the post office again, and I gave them the tracking number. And they said, "Good, this is a China a number. And once they come into Canada, they change over to a Canadian number for anything for the for the post office. So he says you'll never get it through us. So <laughs> I messaged these people back, and I said, I still don't have it. And they said, oh, yeah, we delivered it. Check with your neighbors. So I did. I had my neighbors check their cameras. Nothing, nothing. So I messaged them again, and I said, no. I said, this is a scam. I said, you haven't sent it to me. They sent me a a notice back saying, oh, we sent you the wrong package. We sent you 3D glasses, and you need to find them because we're out money. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going, what? So I messaged them back again. I said, no, this is a scam. scam. And I said, I'm going to report it to the authorities if you don't send me my money back. So fine. Don't hear from them for a few days. I get hold of my bank and I reported it as fraud and they took the whole. and they said, oh yeah, just by the way I was telling about it. It's fraud. So I waited. Well, three days later, I got $52 put into my account from that company. But there's no name that comes with this company. It's got a whole bunch of zeros and it says PPS and... Mm -hmm. So they don't know where it originates from. Then I, what I thought that the bank had refunded me. Turns out that it was actually probably came from that company again. Right. Mm -hmm. Today I went to go into my bank and guess what? They drained my bank account right out. I have 46 cents to my name. What? They literally cleaned my bank account out today. So now I've had to get hold of the fraud department. I've had to get hold of the bank. I'm in tears. I'm at the end, you know, because like, I'm on a pension. I don't get paid till next Wednesday. That was food money for me. That was money for me to take my grandson to a wildlife show this weekend. And they literally cleaned me out. So the fraud department said, well, it'll be a couple of days and, um, Hopefully your money will get refunded. If not, it'll be up to ten days and then they might want to do inquiry, but they said it originated in Hong Kong. The very first claim I put in a month ago from them came from Hong Kong, but they still don't know where what company it is or who it's coming from. Can did, you believe that? Did you, I, I can myself or something like that.
1: Did you pay for this with access, giving them access to your bank account or a credit card?
6: Yeah, it was like a debit visa. So what happened was when that money got returned, the bank said, okay, we're going to monitor it and it shouldn't happen again because it sounds like a legitimate comment that's return your money, but they didn't return the whole amount. So it never was legitimate. So basically they've had four times they've had access now to my card. So now it's finally been canceled. I have to go get a new card tomorrow. But in the meantime, I can't get into my accounts. I can't do nothing. It's just, I mean, not that I have any money left, but literally they cleaned my bank account out. And yesterday I put money, I deposited money yesterday because I had sold something to get me by to do me till next week. And then I went and I put the cash in the bank and lo and behold. So beware people, beware what you order online. Honest to God, I've only ever ordered twice online. One was from Amazon, and I actually got that parcel a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and then this time. And now I'm terrified. I said, well, how do I know that they don't have my banking information now? I said, do I have to close out this bank? Do I to to-? like. They said, no, it should just be your card. But, I mean, I- I'm nervous now. I mean, that's how bad it's getting for scamming. Like, you've really got to be careful. <laughs> Like really, I mean, modern technology is great, Rick. I agree with you, but I don't think it's really good to be giving banking information online for anything anymore. All right, that's just how that's how I feel. Maybe I just have bad luck, but yeah, it's been a really rough day. <laughs> so I wanted to share that story just so that your viewers out there mm. are aware that it's so easy, so easy to get scammed, and even the bank said we we are so busy with scams.
0: And yes, bodies going on. Yeah, they are.
1: Um
6: so it's like you know, and I'm hoping my bank will actually deal with it. I mean, I've been with them for ten years. I really don't want to have to change banks and you know, yeah. it's hard when you have government money coming in and stuff, right? You gotta everything's gotta be changed over. But I mean, if that's what I might have to end up doing, I, I don't know.
1: Well I guess it's just, it I, I I it may be <laughs> i know you're concerned obviously and it's a terrible thing i'm certain that they will they'll they'll get you your money back because they will see exactly so. what's happened they'll see that it wasn't you um they'll, they, they should be able to figure that out fairly easily and well, because they'll see where the money went so. and so on and uh yeah i just don't yeah, understand really how, nobody else i just talk. don't understand how they were able to access your account because you like, how would they ever get access to your account? Even if it's a like a Visa debit card, did you give them your PIN number? A PIN number? No, no.
6: All I ever did was just order it with with that number that's on the card, and it went through. And it, the day later, I seen that it came. They took out the difference because I thought it was American, so you know you're gonna have that exchange, right? And that's it. And after that, they just keep. They're, they're, they're getting access. So that's what I mean. I'm worried if my account now has actually been hacked and that's, that's what the bank's investigating. So I'm really hoping that I'll hear something like they're going to work on it A- ASAP because I was pretty emotional when I was talking to them and mm-hmm. I've had nobody to talk to all day. So I'm not venting to you, but I just wanted no, to okay. tell you that story yeah. so other people can be really aware that it happens. <laughs> it It happens. It really does. Well, uh, I I didn't yeah. believe it. Oh but yeah, it,
1: it does. It can happen quite easily. But you know, I uh, you know my experience has been like I got sort of a few years ago credit card charge with a with a company and they were overseas, but they didn't deliver on their promise and be, well, like they my money just got refunded. So. Okay. It was just by calling because it was an American, it get- an, an American Express card, mind you, so they have extra layers oh. of protection on there. But um, right, well, you
6: be- I don't even have a number to this company. Like I don't even—they never provided me. Like I don't know who I was talking to, who who I was emailing with. But every time I would email, they would email me back. So, mm-hmm. but I still, even when I, even with the email, it was. It was. It was like I was almost texting with the person, but you know, and I kind of started to get red flags after about the fifth day of watching this. But I thought, okay, it's coming from China. You know, things are slow. The ports, you know, strikes used, right? But no,
1: it see. You see it. It never showed up. What What goes on these days is a lot of drop shipping. Do you understand what that is? No, I don't know what that is. So you set up a company, right? And what what you do, and there are a lot of people doing this, and all you're really doing is you're running ads for products on the Internet. You're using Google ads, Facebook ads, whatever, mostly Google ads, websites sometimes, but you run ads. And you advertise all kinds of different products. When somebody places an order through you, you then place the order with the supplier, but not until then. And then the supplier is usually in China and that supplier Mm -hmm. then ships the the product so that as a drop shipper, you don't have to keep any inventory. But because you're buying from a drop shipper who only actually places the order for his inventory at the time of your purchase, you have to wait a long time for the stuff to arrive. A lot of that stuff is sometimes advertised at a pretty low price. They have very low markup very slim margins that they work on because it's more of a volume thing and they, they eliminate their costs. A lot of like their storage costs, inventory costs, they cut, you know, one of their shipping costs, but then each item is shipped individually. So it's the, it's these drop shippers, a lot of them that they get involved in this kind of stuff. And then the consumer ends up waiting a very long time for the product And there are some bigger companies that get involved in this. There's a company out there like, uh, I think they're called Light in the Box. They advertise a lot of products at dirt, dirt, cheap prices. By the time you get it to your door, though, you're sometimes subjected to taxation and importation duties. And it can Uh be delayed at the border. And it can be a bit of a headache. Uh And it can take weeks, many weeks for your product to arrive. It's not like it just shows up like that. Amazon's different. They're a huge company. And they yeah. fulfill, they usually fulfill the products within days, sometimes the next day or within a couple of days. And if it's a third-party seller, because a lot of people sell through Amazon, independent people, um, they still fulfill the orders for those people. So there's a higher degree of trust there, right? And Amazon kind of backs right, it up. Right. So that's what's going on there. But you you order from a lot of other sites. Mm-hmm. If you're not careful, you don't know what to look for, you're going to get hooked into drop shipping, Mm -hmm. and then some of these companies do advertise that they're scams. There's no question about that because they will do things like advertise and then they get you to place an order and they'll get certain information. And sometimes it's in the refund where they actually execute the scam in order to take more money out of your account. I can't remember exactly how that works. I'd have to look it up and and refresh my memory on it. But there is a, a mechanism by which they do that and it just gives them access to funds and then when the bank goes to get it back for you they've already kind of like disappeared into the night into the cyberverse right cyber universe so oh, they, but okay. but but the saving grace in all of this is that the banks are aware they're able to track this stuff they will be able to tell from the digital trail the digital money trail that it wasn't actually you okay. who took the money out and so when they see that okay. it is this thing they should restore the funds to your account because they will stand behind that. It's a huge expense to the banking industry. People don't, people like to hate on wow. the banks, right? But the banks will generally speaking, if they can trace that money and and see that it isn't you, they'll, they'll give you the money back. They generally will because okay. it's a breach okay. in their, in their security in a way. So they tend to stand behind it. Now I'd be very interested. Please let, let us know what happens with you because this is, uh, you know, a lesson oh, to learned for everyone. And um and I, I'd be very interested to see how the bank treats you with this. But yeah, well
6: and it's the it's the same bank that your wife works for, by the way. I won't I won't say it. Okay. On the air. But you know. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So um yeah I've been with them for 10 years. But yeah, I'll definitely let you know how it goes. And and I don't drink and thank God I don't have any booze in the house because <laughs> oh, I probably would have got drunk today. Oh. Was, oh my God, I've been so upset all day. It's so it's so frustrating, right? So
1: I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. And it,
6: but I did, I did go for a walk. It was 14 degrees out here today. So we went, I went for a nice walk to kind of walk it off. But anyways, I'll let you get on to your next caller. I just wanted to tell you my story that was happening. I'll keep you informed and let all your other callers know or your, our Maverick family to beware.
1: Thank you, Chris. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll check back in with you maybe tomorrow and, see what they how things okay. are going with that okay
6: okay thanks Rick. talk to okay, you later bye-bye you.
1: okay hello it's matt
13: it is matt the unseated on the air but without a face on maverick multimedia
1: how you doing tonight
13: i survive every day um i know when i called i had said i wanted to talk about what i termed the bio digital convergence but you mind if i also talk a little bit about um domestic terrorism and the intelligence community while i'm here go for it okay so um i like how you the way you brought up the cia because you know the cia's greatest weapon in my opinion is Hollywood and they villainize themselves on purpose in their movies. And what I find is that doing this, it prevents people from thinking about other alphabet soup organizations or potentially fraternities behind them that the CIA really actually cover for, or whether it be Mossad or the Knights of Malta or the Jesuits or even Canadian intelligence, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I just think that, um, they're interesting in terms of the way that they apply their psychological warfare so to speak um if that makes any sense so um the other thing too so the biodigital convergence um otherwise i think the wef uses the term singularity but um the biodigital convergence is a term that was coined by policy horizons which is a creation of the Policy Research Initiative, which is a creation of the Privy Council. so um I just think you know I'm not against like AI in and of itself, if that makes sense, but I am against the way that it is um, being used and forced upon the people in a way that they kind of have to keep up with the technology or um you know that's just kind of my take on that, but uh, what do you think? What do you think?
1: How is it being forced on the people?
13: Well, um in the regard that pretty much every every manual or thing we have to do has to be pretty much done online rather than us, you know going in person with a resume in places, mm-hmm. everything is submitting online and you know doing stuff like that, you're not really um able to any like a lot of people can write a good a good resume but be a shitty employee. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I I'm, I'm, I just don't, I, the word forced is, uh, is strong. I, I, what I, I don't think that AI is being forced on people. I just think that it's technology evolving at such a rapid pace that we as human beings are not capable of keeping up, but it's up to us to not let the technology control us. It's up to control the te- up to us to control the technology. So we need to get involved and demand that there are checks and balances in place. Um, whether it's uh, legislation to ensure competition or to regulate the, uh, the implementation of this kind of technology in certain areas so that it's not used in harmful ways. Um, You know, we need to, to, to examine all of these things. And I don't think that we've adequately, you know, we're just scratching the surface on the ethics and the cultural aspects of this, the socioeconomic implications. We need to, to really look at all of these things and this is going to Like everything else, I think it will take us to places where it seems like we are entering areas of of new ethical and philosophical questions. But in the end, it will be the same foundation that guides us. These questions come full circle over and over again as new technologies Emerge whether it's the printing press or the automobile, um, nuclear mm-hmm. power, the diffusion power, which appears to be you know right around the corner since they've right, you know, developed stuff like that. So we have to learn to deal with it because it has implications on society. But you know, it's not like I forced that you know, that implies that the government or some powerful entity, whether it be an individual or company is up there forcing people to use it. The technology evolves and because it's real and it exists, I suppose people are forced to use it simply because it exists. But I don't think that people are, or any organization is out there in some evil capacity, trying to force it on people. It just is Therefore, we have to deal with it, which brings me back full circle to my point originally, which is we have to deal with it. You can't run away from it. There's no escaping change. If there's one constant in the universe, it is exactly that. The one thing we can count on is that things will always change.
13: Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, going to run into the wilderness or suggest, you know, doing anything like that at the moment. but. The reason why I chose the specific words forced is we're moving into a day and age where you don't walk into the office, but you walk into the metaverse for your office. And that to me is what I would call forced. And the term biodigital convergence implies a sort of synthesis between biological life and digital life, and that that is forced. And uh, it's different sitting in front of a computer screen is not forced right? Using a smartphone is not forced. It's just, you can do all the things with a smartphone by not using a smartphone. You'll just have either several other devices or other means and things would be, you know, much slower for yourself. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. it, uh, It does raise these, you know, really hard questions for people. And I understand what you mean by forced. Like if, if you get a computer chip that allows you to Jack, jack yourself into the matrix so that you can. You, okay. you have, you know, infinite knowledge. Suddenly, you have capabilities far beyond the average human. So, how do you compete for a job unless you get jacked in too? Right, that forces you to, to do the same thing if you want to compete and participate fully in society. That way, that forces you. Yeah, but I mean, again, that's like the reality even... of it, right? That's not necessarily the government sitting there saying you must, although we did see during the pandemic where they said you must get this thing or you can't do this, yeah. right? That's being forced. That's why we need to get involved. That's why we need legislation in place. That's why we need to change Section 1 of the Charter. That's why we need to be focused on that, so that the government can't do an end run around our rights in the future, again, the way that they did. We just have to keep hammering on that. Unfortunately, we keep getting distracted, pulled off into other directions, and we've lost sight of that. And we're running around worrying about Taylor Swift.
13: Yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, like, when this whole when this whole thing comes down, though, like, um, take, for instance, like, um, you... You showed Adrian's platform on the show, right? And there was like the gold standard, for instance, right? And this gold standard is very vaguely defined, right? Like, there even I even asked him about it myself and didn't really get a clear answer. So, um, I'm just saying, like, if someone is hypothetically promising, you know, um, a currency that's tangible or backed by whatever, you know, gold, silver, what like, what I'm saying is, um that's like an illusion in order to lead toward um you know just something that runs on the blockchain like a digital like basically what i'm saying is you were talking about government implementing force on us through like you know the the jabs and then potentially even maybe digital id i don't know if you were going in that direction or not but all of these are just um. how do I want to say little baby steps toward what I termed the biodigital digital convergence. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um the thing is, it's like a gradual push and normalization mm-hmm. through either ideology or in this case, we're talking about technology. Right. And so again, there's nothing wrong with the normalized use of technology, but there is something wrong with the use of synthesizing with it. So uh, that's, Kind of where I stand, and also I'm glad that you brought up Section One of the Charter because I think that that's probably a main way, like a main weapon, if you will, that is maybe not weapon, but a main way to manipulate um, whatever your desired outcome is if you're the government, you know. Yeah. So it, it, it um, We just say your rights
1: are suspended because of ex emergency. Um, yes,
13: exactly you're right. So you know Yeah. So I mean, um yeah, I mean there has to be like a, a solid middle ground, I guess. And like you said, the only constant really is change, right? And so we always do have to adapt. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people too, even especially with the conversation I'm having, a lot of people instantly uh get, you know, angry or scared, right? Mm-hmm. And so um We have to adapt to the changes, not fight against them per se, but also um, stand our ground and keep our principles strong. And I say this Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, um, I I don't have anything against anybody that say, decided to take the jab hypothetically. Right. I don't have anything against anybody that decided to or didn't decide to. Right. But I, I firmly stand by somebody who stands by their principles and not Mm -hmm. somebody who says, Oh, it's just the easy thing to do. You know what I mean? Or all my friends are not doing it. So I'm not going to do it. I'm going to fight too. Like, you you know what I mean? Like, so
0: that's
13: just kind of where I stand. But, um, I've pretty much said everything I, I really wanted to, I mean, unless you want to talk a little bit about the intelligence community, but, um, that's your call.
1: Was there something, it was on your mind with that with regard to that I mean um, the, here's my well, I mean here's really, my thing I just mean, based on what you said sure, and then sure. based on, combined with what I talked about earlier with CSIS tonight you know
0: the thing cool, that, yeah.
1: the, the thing that's been highlighted to me over the last really the last month or so is and I've seen you know intelligence reports about this it isn't just the CIA. It isn't just CSIS. It isn't just our government. Yeah. In fact, the, the true Correct. adversary, the true threat to us is external. It's foreign governments yep. having doing bad things to us. It's foreign governments paying off our politicians. It's foreign governments engaging, sometimes in direct information warfare. It's foreign governments paying operatives here domestically, to do their dirty work on the information warfare for the front for them. It's foreign governments orchestrating um campaigns to throw fuel on fires, domestic um social fires, problems to amplify those problems, as Yuri Bezmanov, the former KGB agent yeah. warned us of in the 1980s, right? That's what they're doing. So even you know. It isn't just that Joe Biden is is incompetent. He's an actual threat because we can see that there is a paper trail of money from China to him. So he's being influenced that way. You can see that there's a paper trail of money from China and Chinese companies to Trudeau campaigns. So you see that there's a level of compromise there, right? He's compromised. And... You can of, see these things, course, but, you, it's, but it's like the, the point being, we are trying to destroy ourselves as a result when the intelligence right. reports are showing that probably half of or, or more of the social media information warfare that we're being subjected to is, in one way or another, originating from external foreign governments or entities that are trying to destroy our country, and they're getting us to do it ourselves because we're like trying to fight shadows. Don't understand where it's coming from, and they blame everything, everything, whether it is or it isn't. It's always our government, our system is to blame. The CIA, it's always the CIA when it's probably the FSB, when it's probably the Chinese, yeah. but yep. they, but their operatives here turn around and say, "Oh no, it's just the CIA." Oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to worry about that. It's the CIA. It's always the CIA. <laughs> the CIA did it. No,
13: of course, that's, that's why I brought up Hollywood, right? Because yeah. they literally, they they use the CIA like a punching bag shield, right? Just like world leaders or governments are used as a punching bag or shield from whatever front, whatever other X, Y, Z front organization in front of something else, right? Yeah, I would say and I'd say, that, say the common thread yeah. between... Sorry, go ahead. With
1: regard to Hollywood, see, I would I would say that Hollywood is a powerful tool, but within Hollywood, you also have people who are sympathetic to foreign governments, sympathetic to other political ideologies. Some of them are paid. Some of them are doing it voluntarily because they believe in, you know, this stuff is amplified by foreign governments who then put people into places of influence within media organizations so that, um, those kinds of narratives are told through the media to us in order to undermine confidence and trust within our own institutions and our governments, whether it's police or even firefighters or whatever it might be. Right. Can't trust them. Of course. Uh,
13: Yes. And it's like also too, I mean, like in general, besides one country's own government or um, the CIA, you know, they have other boogeymen in place sometimes. Like if you think about, um, what is it, CrowdStrike, which was like a security firm, I think, uh, mm-hmm. set, uh, set up basically um, to protect the, the DNC, like the Democratic National Committee, yep. right? Yep. Um, what ended up happening was um, uh, the DNC, uh, there were like emails leaked from the DNC and they blamed it on Russian hackers but the reality of it was that CrowdStrike themselves like set, set the whole thing up. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and the Atlantic council, which is attached to that whole thing, which basically also goes toward Brexit, It's a whole different story. I don't want to get too sidetracked here, yeah. but the Atlantic council is primarily funded by uh, like people like Soros and the Clintons and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and speaking of which just, now that I bring up the political left is it's actually not much different in Canada because like Evan Balgord of um, what is it? Anti-hate Canada um, sits on a board of this alphabet soup think tank that has to deal with counterterrorism. A S you Google, whatever that acronym is, you'll probably find it and it's got a bunch of orange dots. So you'll know what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, basically all I'm getting at is that there's always a boogeyman in place usually the CIA or one country's own government to blame. You're absolutely correct about that and And I'm glad you're bringing this up. The other
1: thing that complicates everything for us is that because we live in a democratic society uh, various Mm -hmm. political parties are in in constant conflict and then they will engage also in information warfare aimed at their political opponents. And yeah. Right. So now it becomes domestic and one side's fighting against the other. And at some point that even becomes a crime domestically.
0: Yeah, And
1: then other foreign governments can get involved in that stuff, too, because they maybe want to influence things so that the party or politician that is maybe has policies most favorable to them as a foreign government. They want that person to win and they will amplify what the uh, you know, the. um, The adversaries of, say, Donald Trump. Yes. Day, right. Yeah, so.
13: absolutely. And, um, and this is where you brought up fifth generation warfare too, right? Is mm-hmm. like, if you take, I mean, I'd say like, I mean, I would say all parties in Canada are really responsible for the mass immigration, but a lot of people will point the figure at the left on that one.
0: Yeah.
13: But, um, you know, that's why you have a lot of Chinese infiltration for instance, right? That's mm-hmm. why you have Huawei and even like, that's what, what was it? Stupid agreement in like 2014 or something? FIFA? Or something for an Investment Protection Act. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, yeah, basically, it's just like an excuse for China to literally set foot into the into the nation and you know implement fifth generation warfare. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you look at not that I'm a fan of Stephen Harper or anything, but since Stephen Harper left power and Trudeau came into power, a lot of the naval security in northern Canada has decreased significantly. And then what have you got there? You know, a lot of Russian influence in Northern Canada. Right. So,
0: mm-hmm.
13: yep. um, so yeah, but I think I've pretty well said almost everything that comes off the top of my brain. Is there anything else you want to add to this uh, conversation,
1: Rick? No, I think we're good for tonight, Matt. I appreciate the call. We can pick it up another night, maybe even
10: tomorrow.
13: Okay. Sounds perfect. I'm just going to tell people to, to, check out my YouTube channel, Matt the unseated or, uh, find me on Facebook at Matt unseated and they can freely ask me whatever it is they want. And now I'm going to hang up. So thanks very much for having me call in Rick and
1: enjoy the rest of the show, man. All right. Thank you, sir. You have a great night. All right, let's move on. Here he is. Now he's up. Hello, sir. Woo
9: Ricky Bobby. What a show tonight. What a show. Chrissy, just the season to be scammed. Everybody out there listening, be very careful. The scams are in full effect. Okay, and I get them every day myself, yeah. especially the CRA or Scotiabank telling me uh, there's a problem with my credit card, and I like playing with them when they call from uh, their Indian call centers. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I keep them on the line as long as I can, right, because I don't feel what Bank. never have, never will. So, you know, there's a lot of scams out there. Just beware. Right. I don't trust anybody this time of year when it comes down to the internet.
1: Period. Yeah. They're getting really good too. 100%. You know, I get emails and sometimes they look very authentic, like they're coming from a bank a 100%. Card, and they're not right. So you really have to be careful what you click on. And yeah.
9: Yeah. Yep. As for uh, Colonel fuck Rogers. Uh, I could see the fire in your eyes, Rick, I uh, uh, hopefully you get that guy on your show so you could simply just tell him to go fuck off, <laughs> right? I know you want to, I could see it. I could see it in your eyes. I know you're gonna, you get him on the show. It's, it's going to be a good show because you know what? This guy here is just trying to fucking stir the pot. He's paid for by who? The Jewish community. Plain and simple. I can't,
1: now, wow, he wants to round everybody up and arrest them all for protesting. It's like, uh, oh, my God. Like, how many people would you have? How Talk about concentration camps. That's where that would have to go. Like, they'd need to set up. My God.
9: He <laughs> oh, needs to crap. look in his own fucking backyard. He needs to look in his own backyard of the United States of America before he starts looking into our yard. Okay? And the guys like that are there to stir up shit. Okay. Uh, it's why I don't watch um I call it rebel Jews, not rebel news, rebel Jews, Ezra and those guys because it's one-sided, obviously, okay, uh, they're still talking about the, the beheading of these babies. I still haven't seen any 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 parents crying about their head, uh, kids being beheaded. Now I'm sure there's a lot of kids that died on the Israeli side, okay, yeah. and elderly people that happened. I'm not denying that it didn't fucking happen, okay, but when I keep hearing this bullshit, And I don't see any grieving parents about the kids being butchered up. Okay, I'm not buying what they're trying to sell us. So, you know, as for Matt, the unseated, he says he's not running into the wilderness. I'll run into the wilderness bare balls right about now. (laughs) (laughs) And I got no qualms about it. (laughs) It's it's to where we're at right in life. Good news, Rick, on my life, uh, you know, Here's a positive note for everybody out there. I like to be as positive as I can, right? In uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been in a bad funk, really bad funk. Well, today I came into work and uh, management hauled me in the office. So we got good news and bad news. I said, let me guess, I'm getting laid off. They said, no. Do you want to go over to another company? That's with our company, right? I said, which company? They told me the company. I said, fucking right, I do. That's where the 3D printers are. Right, and that's what I want to get into. So, on Monday, that's where I'm headed to the engineering department. To the engineering department, in uh, as many hours as I could chew. So, on a good note, that's a great thing. I don't have to look for another job. Good. And over there, it's all research and development. So, I can't wait to go live from uh, inside of uh, a 3D printing uh, facility to show you what's going on and what I was talking about not only the 3d printing plastics they're 3d printing metals
1: yeah
9: right so yeah i'm very very interested in uh this new job anyway so that's for sure cool you know you get complacent in the place for years where i'm at and uh you know it's not. i already know it's not going to be as laid back as it is right now of me calling into the ricky walker show every night or even watching the ricky walker show every night right because i'm going to be busy
0: because
9: i got to learn right so right now I'm to the point where I'm not learning anything anymore I'm just you know things are running they're running great
1: yeah
9: even while I'm talking to you on the phone right so it's a win-win for them it's a win-win for me actually at the end of the day because any new skills somebody could pick up is, is a good thing right
1: yeah how do they print metal I, Leo how do they do that I'm gonna I don't
9: I I don't know I'm gonna show you I'll do a video I'll, I'll come on your uh, show live and Whatever, I'll show you a video uh, on how they do it and what they're printing, right? So, right now we do 3D, whatever, right? Uh, Machining, so 3D printing, it's coming out almost better than what we can machine. I don't know what the speed times are, who's faster. I'm gonna find out all of it because I'm gonna be doing it right now.
1: Does it come out as like, uh, do they superheat it so that it comes out as? like a, a liquid and then it solidifies or is it a chemical process? Like how do they extrude it?
13: 100%.
9: Yeah. 100%. Like uh, 98% of the material in this new place is all aluminum, right? So they're 3D printing the aluminum. And what that does is, okay, uh, it cuts, I know it cuts down on time because the build of the tool could take up to uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 months, right? Depending on the size of the tool mm-hmm. where let's say you just want a prototype for the new vehicle that's coming out or whatever uh, so you make the prototype and 3d print it and if they like what they like then they'll go cut it in aluminum okay as a prototype and then replicate it into steel i see right, and then start yeah. full production
0: right. so
9: they could put a whole car together 3d printing put a whole car together the, the body frame of the whole car so they know what it looks like before they even go into production of uh, of anything Right. And that's, that's the future of
1: things. That, like really, said, that, my job really, that really reduces uh, development costs. Huge.
9: It does. Yeah. It does. Right. And uh, this, there's only two shops in, uh, in Southwestern Ontario that are doing this. Right. And this is one of them. There's about a hundred people that work there. So it's going to be interesting to see, interesting to learn new things. Right. So, and that's the future. Like I said, my, I'm a dying breed Yeah, as a machinist, CNC. As as you know, as technical as it looks, yeah. In a blink of an eye, ro- robots could come in and do our shit.
1: That's right,
9: right. So we're we're already computerized. It's just a matter of getting uh, robotics to do the tool changes and everything else, right? Uh, they, you know, so we're a dying breed. So and
1: and the, the, the and the three D three D printing, system, printing is be. displacing the CNC stuff. So the day you know the days one hundred percent. It is. Yeah, when I
9: started back in the day, they were called duplicators, okay? And they had a wooden model that was made out of wooden bundle, okay? And they had a tracer on the duplicator that sent all the information after it was done tracing to a big CPU that was, fuck, massive, okay? And it ran out tickets. This is how the computers operated. He took the ticket over to the machine, put the ticket in, and then it replicated what was on the ticket, the mm-hmm. steel was wild and then in a wink blink of an eye it turned into cnc right all computer numerical controls and that that changed overnight so i do see in the industry right now the 3d printing is the way to go that if you got a job in 3d printing or robotics technician anything uh computer technicians okay those jobs will not be absolute you'll have a job for a long time You take a job as a plumber, electrician, trades, you'll have a job for a long time, right? So just got to change the shuffle. That's all, buddy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah, that's right. Just have to adapt. Simple as that. And plumbers, I mean, AI can come into effect, I guess, but at the end of the day, somebody still needs to crawl under your sink with a wrench and, and, and get to work on those pipes, so...
9: Right, or lift lift the toilet and place it in, right? Uh right. jobs like that'll never go obsolete, so you know, yeah, I don't care what they say about AI, you're not gonna have AI come in and it's 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 the plumber. I, I don't see it. They're not that far ahead yet.
1: Not yet. Eventually maybe robots, not but yet. we're we're a ways away it, from that. Yeah, you know, decades.
9: We're so. hundred years away from all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just worried about getting through the next ten years. I could care less about the next next hundred after
1: right yeah and with the with the rate of acceleration I, that's uh, that's all any of us can really do is try to get through a decade at a time i think so
9: i think so too you know so on the positive note keep positive people and positive things will happen right mm-hmm. just keep positive you know for every negative i try and find i try and find 10 positives so my wife's happy my kids are happy my son's working at the mission, he's a cook, <laughs> just doing his co-op, and they hired him full time, oh, right, so, good. And, my, and, and then my other daughter, who's really not doing much, she went in there and they hired her full time, too, in the kitchen at the mission, so they're both doing good, right, so.
1: Oh, good for them. Which
9: is good. I think so, yeah. Awesome. And, you know, that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do, you got passion for it, do it. All right. You'll never go hungry. That's a fact.
1: (laughs) That's right.
9: Cooks and butchers. If you're a cook or a butcher, Johnny, if you're a cook or a butcher and you're listening to this, you'll never go hungry.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I'm glad things are looking up a little bit more for you there, Leo. And I appreciate the call. Right. And everybody out there on Rumble, if you see the reason why
9: guys like Paul, me, there's a bunch of us and we have pink around our names. That's because we're paid members monthly, and it's only like $5 a month to become a member on Rick's show, okay? It's only $5 a month. Take it up. When you go in to pay like you would a rant, it asks you if you want to become a member. Become a member. It's only $5 a month, and it helps Rick out. Everything adds up. Thank you. If he's got 300 people watching, if he gets 300 members, now Rick's got... He's got a side hustle that, you know, they, what's five times three eighteen hundred dollars a month. It's not that big of a hustle, but it gets them through.
1: I appreciate the plug there, sir. Okay, guys, yeah. have a good night. All right, take care. All right, let's go on to our next caller. Hello, how are you tonight?
3: All right, Rick, how you doing?
1: I'm great, Susie. how are you?
3: Well, I'm hanging in there. Making a cup of hot chocolate at the moment. Awesome. Um, yeah, uh, things could be worse, and uh, things could be better. Certainly. Yeah. Been a long night already for you, uh, by the sounds of it. Also.
1: Mm. No, things are things are pretty good here tonight. I think overall. So I
3: called into uh, Megan Fox the other day. I don't know. Maybe it was yesterday. I lose track, but, uh, I told her what the solution is. And she was like, Oh, well, I have no concept what a peaceful revolution would look like. And then she was like, hung up (laughs) before I could explain (laughs) <laughs> any further, but then, when I rewatched it, she did you know concede that it's a valid consideration, so I wasn't all that insulted, but you know overall, Rick um and taking the temperature of the protest chats. And people are smarter today than they were yesterday, but only half as smart as tomorrow. And that's a good trend. And in the legal chats and alternative media chats, I've noticed a trend. And like, I can go in there and flip the table like a card table. No problem. And, uh, And that's good because, you know, that's indicative that the consciousness is there for the change. It's just a matter of whether we're going to get it or whether, you know, something else worse is going to happen. I'm not thrilled about all this, you know, dancing through the Internet stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, You guys were talking about that earlier. And yeah, and you know, I I understand people might want to fly around and stuff, but then again, you know, it's gonna get like Batman <laughs> pretty quick with the way people are. Yeah. And uh yeah, I would be content to go around on my electric bicycle with some actual fresh air and weather that's not weaponized. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we could go from there. You know, and and it's not like it's a mystery it really bothers me when people who I think are my allies, you know, just casually come out with the bigotry. Mm. That really hurts my feelings and it's not anything new I get encountered all the time. So I got to let it roll off because I do love people and I don't want to see them be miserable. And that's, uh, you know, yeah. that, I just wanted to say that. Um, I'm proud of the way that you stood up to that guy, Bruce, on Strange Bedfellows the other night. And I want to give you an attaboy for that. Thank you. Um, I hope uh, you know that you never uh, abdicate your self-proclaimed and entitled editor-in-chief of the world status. All right, Because that's what's indicated right now. We need to uh, own that status. Um, because the deception is is that they're self-proclaimed and entitled absolute authority and unity is a hoax. And it's the greatest hoax in history, and it's about to end. Almost a thousand years of it is enough already. All right? So nobody should be confused about who it is, all right? And the foreign interference thing. Mm-hmm. All right. And what you said about the money passing hands between the minions is, yeah, how they do it between their different organizations. And that's how they're washing the money
0: mm-hmm.
3: and the influence. All right. So we're not confused. We're not power- Um, I think it's been a little while since we spoke. Uh, there's this guy, Pascal, uh, has like a French last name. He's on Dr. Drew. Mm -hmm. last week and everybody should watch that uh interview to the end where he says supra siempre which means always above in latin and it's not just the space force motto it's uh, a metaphor for uh you know justice all right and um According to this guy, there are benevolent forces that are gathering data and getting ready to pull up a dragnet. So I think we all need to take that under firm consideration and, uh, and have some hope. And it also fits in with what happened to the guidestones, what he said, because that looked like an act of God or the Space Force <laughs> to me. And not what the FBI forensics presented to us uh, Didn't really add up according to the photographs and whatnot and the video So it's all very interesting Rick and it's coming down to the wire We're either going to come through to the cool table at the after party or it's going to be something else uh, Worse All Right, so let's keep our expectations and intentions high Even though I mean Uh, They say don't have too great expectations and you won't have resentments. That doesn't apply now. This is like a time of the all or nothing rule here. So have expectations and raise our intentions high so that we account for trajectory and, and we don't let up. I'm a badger down here. You want to talk about foreign interference? I'm not letting up. And after we're done with this, there won't be any more parental alienation for hire out there. Mm -hmm. Those people are going to be gone one way or the other. All right. So uh, no one has to get hurt for peace. And we're going to do this right. And it's going to be a world that people didn't even imagine was possible. And and we are going to make it happen. It's happening all around us. Each day, people are smartening up.
1: All right? Okay, sir. Thank you. Those are inspiring words.
3: Well, you know, I'm a hero all alone, Rick. I have to do my own affirmations, and sometimes I have to entertain myself. I posted a short today <laughs> impersonating the Black Pope. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. got a good giggle at myself. All right. You know, we do what we do. All right, buddy. All right. Much thank love, you. no fear. Love the whole community. And we're gonna get through this surprisingly. All right. Okay. Good night.
1: Thank you, Choosy. Appreciate it. Great call. Thank you. And with that, I'm gonna pull the phone lines offline. And wrap that up. Thank you guys very much for joining me here tonight and for hanging out together. It's been a, a great show overall, I think. So uh, I appreciate it very much. Just a reminder you can support the show by donating at maverickdonations.com or at freedomreporters.com. That'll help pay for the phone bill and cover the other expenses here. Thank you so much, everybody, for uh, the support you've shown. Please like, share, subscribe. You know the drill. Hit the notification bell on YouTube, wherever you might be watching. Uh, if you haven't uh, done it yet, please consider subscribing over on Rumble. We need as many people over there as we can get. That's our growing platform. That's, uh, that's the most important one for us. And our website is... Uh, is always there as well at mavericknews.ca. I will catch all of you back here tomorrow night. Same bat time, same bat station. Just like Juicy said, before you know it, it's going to be like Batman out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the future. Like it or not, it's coming straight on at us. And I'll see you in the future. 24 hours from now actually less less than that tomorrow night 6 p.m eastern standard time on the flip side
6: this has been a maverick multimedia Productions.